radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Keeping it down low. Desjardins lost it for here and a takeaway stopped by Esch. There's a penalty call against Philadelphia. Esch to the front, deflection, score! Daniel Briere wins it for Buffalo! Finish. And in the end, it was a finish of Daniel Briere. Sunday, March 28th, 2021. Yeah, yeah. March 28th. I said that. Um, you're, you're not dreaming. Um, am I the only one that felt that March just didn't happen? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I guess. I mean, it, it was... Put it this way, it wasn't any different than the last 13 months. So, Like, I was I was sitting in an, uh, a class. On, well, in a class. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, those aren't, aren't a real thing anymore. Right. But I was attending a class, virtually. And the teacher goes, okay, so we've got about uh, two weeks left together. Which, and I, which and I does went. describe my university tenure, too, virtually attending. <laughs> and I go, two weeks? What, what the hell are you smoking, yeah. lady? And yeah, yeah, no, the math checks out. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, my schedule never changes, but for like everyone else who works at the place I work, there is a schedule, and the schedule got posted this week, and I noticed that next weekend is Easter. Mm. And it just... It didn't dawn on me that I'm so close to getting a long weekend. So now it's like it's like found money. You know how you're always kind of working to get to that long weekend kind of thing? It's like found money. It's like a bonus weekend now all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Thank God for Easter. Uh, it's the Lace Up Hockey Podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I'm James Cole. I'm Bruce Battaglia. Uh, and um, lots to get to today. Not, not necessarily like a busy week, but a, a lot of little... Just tidbits. Fun, yeah, little stories. A lot of tidbits. It's like a campfire. We're just going to tell stories. Okay. Um, well, but I, I I guess there's no better campfire to start with. Is I did a little homework this week. I was gonna say because like like a like a douchebag with a guitar and an acoustic fi- uh, bonfire. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, something that only we care about, uh, and that is uh, predictions uh, of the past. Well, no, uh, I I I'm gonna stop you there because I don't think that we're the only ones who care about mm. it. Um, like w- like we do these predictions. And, you know, every year I think we like to think that we kind of know what we're talking about. Now, here's what I'll say is I've, I've since revisited uh, both of our predictions episodes. Uh, I'm only reporting back last year's because the other one's just too long ago now. But um, I did find some interesting information. Okay. Okay. So because we're, we're always doing our predictions and everything like that and, and you know, I want to see how our predictions do this year. I thought maybe we should actually revisit some predictions from the past. So, uh, I do have our last year's predictions episode that I'd like to report back to you. Okay? Okay. Now, keep in mind, last year was a lockout-shortened season. Okay? So, there was no losers. Right. So, um, there were no losers, but also we we were all losers. Exactly. (laughs) Um, the other issue I have with this too is I didn't actually do all the research I was supposed to do. I'm just realizing there is a part of this that I will have to kind of look up as we go along. Okay. Mm. Okay. So, uh, 
It started off, you gave me over-unders. You gave me nine categories of over-unders, and you wanted me to either bet the under, the over, except what I thought was interesting about these over-unders is out of these over-unders, I think only two of the nine were over-unders. <laughs> like, you called it an over-under, but you're like, which team will do this? And it wasn't an over-under. But nice. whatever. So it was, it was a little activity, I guess we'll call it. Over under 50 goal scorers, you set the over under at 3.5. Now, uh, we both took the over. I think it's I think it's pretty easy to say that three of the four would have hit 50 goals had we finished the season, which is Ovechkin hit 48, Pasternak hit 48, Matthews hit 47. I think it's pretty safe to say all three are getting 50. Yeah. Uh, you also got Dreisaitl at 43. Mm-hmm. In what I, I I don't have in front of me, sixty-two, I think was, sixty-three. I think that was no. I think it was like seventy-one games. Like, I think the I think the Oilers were one of the teams that got oh, okay. most of their. But uh, so regardless, we both took the over. Hard to say what would have happened there, but I, I think it would have been close. Um, coaches fired before American Thanksgiving. Uh, I said no. You said yes. Of course, Mike Babcock was fired before American Thanksgiving. I feel like maybe someone else was too, you know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Coach fired before uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. I said no. You said yes. Mm. So we kind of even there because I don't think anyone got fired after two games last year that I remember. <laughs> so uh, hot start. The last team to lose a regulation game. Who will it be? Uh, I said Dallas. You said Colorado. I didn't actually look, but I'm pretty sure it actually was Colorado. Like I, I think you actually got that right. Uh, I know it wasn't Dallas, because Dallas started like two and nine. Yeah, like it was, it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't good last year. So, um, will Connor McDavid smile this season? I said yes. You said no. Answer. Mm. You did not answer the question. Uh, Still waiting on those results. Yeah, yeah. Is he smiling tonight? Did the Leafs end up winning? Yeah, they did. Ah, so Connor's not smiling yeah. tonight. They blew a three-one lead. Eh? Yeah. Hmm, must, must going into the third. Must suck. I wouldn't know anything about that. How many consensus starting goalies will lose their job? Now, this is an impossible one to answer. I would say that you set the over-under at 2.5. I took the over. You took the under. It's got to be the over, though, right? Like, God, it had to be. Last year was the weird year of all these tandems and whatnot. Like, yeah. you know what I, I mean? Last I year was kind of the shift where it just, like... I didn't specify, like, injuries or two, right? It was... You, you... No, I listened to it. You said... Uh, I think you said injuries aside. Okay. But regardless... You know what I mean? Like, even whatever you want to chalk up Bishop and Hudobin to, if you want to chalk that up to an injury yeah. or whatever, right? But, so, we'll never know on that one, I guess, really. But I think I was right. Um, how many Canadian teams will make the playoffs? I said four, you said three. Uh, it was actually six. Little did we know that it was going to be six. Mm-hmm. But how many would it have been under ordinary circumstances? I think the answer was four. Yeah, because much all wouldn't have... And the Jets, I think, were just outside, were oh, they not? Maybe. Like, by a yeah. point? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have it uh, pulled up as the conference, and I didn't realize that. I thought I was looking at the league. I'm like, wow, Montreal was 12th in points percentage in the league last year? That's crazy. <laughs> no, doesn't make sense. Uh, Winnipeg, yeah, Winnipeg would have missed playoffs by the looks of things. So, four, I guess I, I kind of nailed it, but we were also, not, neither of us were right. Who will lead the Toronto Maple Leafs in scoring? This was an interesting one. I went William Nylander, and you went Austin Matthews, and I believe the answer was Mitch Marner. So was it really last year? I, I think so. It couldn't have been. Couldn't have been Matthews. 
Could it? I'll pull it up. <laughs> yeah, I could have done my homework here, I guess. Uh, will Seattle announce their team name during the season? We both said no. The answer was, of course, no. Um, it was Austin Matthews. It was Austin Matthews? He had 80 points in 70 games. Mitch Marner missed a lot of time. He was second with 67. Mitch Marner 59. missed time? No, I played 59 games last year. Mitch Marner gets hurt? Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was possible. Thought he was just our little. I think if you remember correctly, right when Hyman and Dermott came back, and we were all like, "Oh no, there's no cap room." Mitch Marner like broke something insignificant and missed like three weeks. But yeah, there you go, eighty points for uh, Big Poppy. Now, the next one's an interesting one. Mm. Laced up will have more or less guests than the previous season. Okay. Uh, which was nine. I took the over. You did not answer. And we actually had nine guests last season. <laughs> Many of them repeat guests, but but we still had nine instances where we had a guest either on our. Uh, if you wanna if you wanna get technical, we I guess we had more than nine in a way because we had the bracket episode. So Cam was on like four times, and Mike right. Ryan was on like six episodes and shit like that. Um, but yeah, technically the answer is nine. So I I still get it technically because that's I think everyone I think that's wins. fair. Yep. Um, We're nothing if not consistent. Which division will produce the cup champs? Hey, here's a fun one. Mm. I said the Atlantic. You said the Atlantic. The answer was the Atlantic. Uh, Will Jumbo Joe score four goals and stroke his cock at center ice? I said sure, and you said no answer. Mm. Uh, Of course, neither of us were correct, I guess. Still time this year. Still time this year. Who knows? Um, Now, to to the meat and potatoes here. Uh, the standings, of course. Now, th- this was an interesting one. I, I was um, curious to see how it would go because the year previous was a little bit of an unpredictable one. I listened back to our first episode and, and the season predictions for that year, and that was a really hard year to read, I think. But last year, I, th- I think we did pretty good. I-, I think last year was pretty good. So, in the Atlantic, um, I had Ottawa 8th, Detroit 7th, Buffalo 6th, and in the playoffs I had Montreal at 5, Florida at 4, Toronto at 3, Boston at 2, Tampa at 1. You had Detroit at 8th, Ottawa at 7th, Buffalo 6th, Montreal 5, and in the playoffs you had Boston at 4, Florida at 3, Toronto at 2, Tampa at 1. And the final standings were Detroit at 8, Ottawa at 7, Buffalo at 6, uh, Montreal at 5, Florida at 4, Toronto at 3, Tampa at 2, Boston at 1. So aside from the last and second last spots, uh, I got the other six bang on. Nice, man. Which was pretty cool. Uh, oh, that's not true, actually, because I had Tampa winning the division. Boston won the division. So, uh, but close, close, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, for the Metro, good old Metro, uh, I had the New York Islanders at 8. The New Jersey Devils at 7, the Philadelphia Flyers at 6, the Blue Jackets at 5, the Rangers at 4, and in the playoffs, uh, Pittsburgh at 3, Carolina at 2, Washington 1. You had Columbus at 8, New Jersey at 7, the Islanders at 6, the Flyers at 5, and in the playoffs, you had 4, Carolina, 3, Rangers, 2, Pittsburgh, 1, Washington. Of course, the final standings were New Jersey in 8th by a lot. Uh, the Rangers in 7. The Blue Jackets in six, the Islanders in five, the Hurricanes in four, the Penguins in three, the Flyers in two, which neither of us saw coming, and I don't think many people did, and of course the Capitals won the division. So we got that part right, but the rest was a bit of a bit of a schmozzle by both of us, I would say there. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. 
Any surprises so far? Um, no, no, not really. Nah, like there wasn't like a Chicago Blackhawks this year type of deal where there's just a team hanging around that had no bit like that we had <clears throat> that one of us <clears throat> perhaps had finishing dead last <clears throat> in the league. That's right. That's right. Um, the Central. Uh, I'm happy with this one. I, th- I think you and I both made some good calls here. Uh, I had Minnesota in seven, Chicago in six, Nashville in five. In the playoffs, I had uh, Winnipeg four, Dallas three, Colorado two, St. Louis one. You had Minnesota seven, Chicago six. Then in the playoffs, you had Nashville at five, the Blues at four, the Jets at three, the Avalanche at two. You had the Dallas Stars winning the division last year, which uh, they did not. But they had a good playoff run. They won the conference in many ways. In many ways they did. But in other more real ways they did not. Um, Of course the final standings were Chicago at 7, the Wild at 6, the Jets at 5, the Predators at 4, the Stars at 3, the Avalanche at 2, and the Blues at 1, which I was quite happy. I I was listening back to it and I'm like, wow, that was a bold call to say they would win the division. And And then I looked at the standings and I was like, wow, St. Louis won the division last year. I don't really remember that. I don't remember the Blues being all that good. Yeah, it's weird. People uh, seem to think the team that won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago was just fucking dog shit for whatever reason. But <laughs> yeah, now, you know, you know what was funny though, listening back to that episode was uh, we had the conversation. I asked you why you weren't so high on the Blues because you had them four, and your answer to me was how things change over the course of a couple mm. of years. I don't trust Jordan Bennington. Is yeah. what he said. Guy's a big Bennington guy now. I don't know if big is the right word. Bigger, bigger, bigger than, than you were. Bigger than you were a year and a half ago. Better than most, for sure. Um, Pacific, of course. Now I saved the juiciest for last. Uh, I had the Los Angeles Kings in eighth, the Ducks in seven, the Oilers in six, the Canucks in five, and I can save myself from saying this over again. That's exactly what you had in the bottom half of the division. Uh, the difference is that I had in the playoffs the Sharks at four. Uh, the Coyotes at three, the Flames at two, and the Golden Knights at one. You had the Coyotes in four, uh, but outside the playoffs. Um, you had the Flames in third, the Golden Knights in second, and you had the San Jose Sharks winning the division last year, which, like, no one knew they were going to be so horrible. It's not like anyone saw that fucking coming, but yeah. you couldn't have been more wrong also. <laughs> Not a big prediction guy. No, this actually, I just, I just picked this segment so I could roast you for about Thanks. fifteen minutes steady here. Thanks, man. Um, the next quiz is going to be fucking impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, the final standings: the Sharks were in eighth, the Kings in seventh, the Ducks in sixth, the Coyotes in five, the Flames in four, the Canucks in three, the Oilers in two, and the Golden Knights in one. Which, looking back on it, doesn't even sound real, but that is exactly what happened. Cool, eh? The awards now. Oh, <laughs> um, now I thought it was interesting. I don't. I don't know what I was smoking particularly when we were um, preparing our awards and whatnot. Uh, listening back to the episode, the only award that I had not prepared for was the heart trophy, and I was like, I didn't think we were going to do it. <laughs> Why would we not do it? You know what I mean. So, uh, I made a, a scramble call at the last second, and uh, you said Nathan McKinnon for the Hart Trophy, and I also said Nathan McKinnon 
for the Hart Trophy. Of course, the winner of the Hart Trophy was uh, not Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl huh. of the Edmonton Oilers yeah. winning the Hart Trophy last year. Nathan McKinnon's going to go down. He's going to have like one of those uh, Dale Howard Chuck careers where he's just never going to get over the hump. Because the one year where it's like, oh yeah, it's not going to be McDavid. Oh, well who is it going to be then? Nathan McKinnon? Nah. We'll just we'll give it to Dreisaitl, I guess, this year. Yeah. Like Howard Chuck had that one chance. Where Lemieux was hurt and Gretzky's hurt, and it's like, all right, this is the year. This is this is Dale's year, and then Mark Messier wins it somehow. I mean, like what? You could argue that's already happened to Nathan McKinnon because not me, but a lot of people think he should have won the year when Taylor Hall won. True, right? Yeah, I don't agree with that. I think Taylor Hall was fucking slam dunk choice, but like you, you could make the case McKinnon. He had a good case too that year. Yeah, right? well, a fantastic case. Um, the Rocket. Hmm. Uh, I said Ovechkin, you said Matthews. Look, you weren't far off. Uh, One. <laughs> te- technically, the Rocket winner uh, was Ovechkin and Pasternak last mm. year. Uh, so I was half right. You were a goal away from being a third right and knocking me down to a third. Right. So we would share 67% of the rights, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the podcast would be 66% right. That's right. The Art Ross Trophy. Uh, no surprises here. Uh, I took McDavid. You took McDavid. And the answer was, of course, Mc... Oh, uh, it was Dreisaitl. Uh, like, what? <laughs> um, here's a fun one. I, uh, for the Norris Trophy. Uh, whoo, boy. You and I are good at predicting goal scoring. Not so much defending, I think. Uh, I took Seth Jones. <laughs> hey, that's my guy this year. Who, who... Was was good, not great last year. Yeah. Uh, you took Brent Burns, who was real, real not good last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, can't win them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, predictably so for the Selkie, I took Mark Stone. You took Mark Stone. Of course, the answer was not Mark Stone. Uh, the Vesna Trophy. Now we get to the. It was Sean Couturier, by the way. But we get to the Vesna Trophy here. This is what I was waiting for. All right, because we've had. <laughs> Conversation about how you and I have a have a tendency to curse goaltenders, ruin careers. We just do. just like the laced up goalie curse. I wanted to know. This is how this all started. I wanted to know: is the laced up goalie curse a real thing? Okay. So I did a deep dive, and I went into the numbers and everything. Let's go back all the way to 2018, 2019 before we really really start here. Okay. In the very first official episode of the podcast, we did our season predictions for 2018-2019. And if you'll remember, James went all the way to the state of California and took a little goaltender by the name of Martin Jones. Boy, did I. (laughs) To win the Vesna that season. Uh, I took Thunder Bay's own Matt Murray. Um, In that season... File those guys into the where are they now category. <laughs> That's true. But at the time, I'll take a little bit of credit here. Uh, Martin Jones, of course, uh, that season played 62 games. He was 36, 19, and 5. Which sounds like a Vezina Trophy caliber goaltender. Uh, he, of course, had a 294. <laughs> and a 896. You know, it's 
I'm not sure what the more impressive number is. The fact that he had a save percentage that low. Or that he won 36 games with a save percentage that yeah. low. Yeah. That's, oh, that's hard to do. There. That team had to be good. I haven't seen numbers like that since Grant Fuhrer. That's right. That's right. Taking you back to the 80s. Um... Of course, I took Matt Murray. He played 50 games. He was 29, 14, and 6. He had a 269, uh, a 919, um, which I remembered being a terrible pick, but I, 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 it wasn't an awful pick by me. However, I've had some stinkers since. Uh, in 2019, 2020, the year that we are looking to revisit here, uh, I took Carey Price, who uh, played 58 games. He was 27, 25, and 6 with a 279 and a 909. Mm. Not great, but not a Vezina Trophy candidate. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> However, uh, James, you took Sergei Bobrovsky, <laughs> who um, played 50 games. He was 23, 19, and 6 with a 323. And a 900 save percentage. Yeah, that and that's the first guy that we've mentioned that actually has one of his trophy, by the way. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Does Price not have a Vezna? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, does, is he of two? Or is he only of the one? I think he's got two. Yeah. Um, of course, last season the Vezna trophy went to, I don't have it in front of me, I think it was Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, which would have been a good choice, but neither mm. of us went there. No, why uh, would we that guy? Now, again, coming into this year... Who would be the best pick to fucking win a Vesna? Well, it probably would have been the reigning Vesna winner. Mm. Or, like, again, guys who have, you know, won the Vesna. Uh, instead, this year, uh, James, you went with Carter Hart. Mm. And I went with John Gibson. Mm. Uh, Carter Hart has played 22 games. He is 8, 9, and 3, which is shocking considering the other stats I'm going to rhyme off to you. He is a 404 goals against the average goalie with an 869 save percentage. Uh, Gibson not doing much better, but also in many uh, facets is doing much better. Uh, he's played 24 games. He's 7, 12, and 5 with a 302 and an 897. I think the ship has sailed on our Vesna picks this year. But the main question here was is there a goaltending curse? Okay. James, your career numbers for your goaltenders in 134 games played in the seasons in which you took them to win a Vesna trophy. Your goalies are 67, 47, and 15. With a 321 and an 893 save percentage. You're laughing right now, but I'm going to purposely take, like, Tuka Rask next year and just and, ruin the Bruins. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking, right? It Like, this goes back to when, uh, like, I know you weren't a fan of the show necessarily, but when Sid Sixero, every single night, would be like... Are the Raptors going to win? And every single night for the first two rounds, they would do the opposite of whatever he said. So going into Game 7 against the 76ers, they asked him who's going to win, and he's like, I'm taking the 76ers. And everyone in the studio went crazy, and they threw a party because they're like, oh, fuck, the Raptors are going to win. And of course the Raptors won. <laughs> um, so I think you can use this power for good is what I'm saying. Like, I think there is a way 
to make the most of this. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like you're kind of like Batman. All right. You know, but people like Batman. <laughs> well, look if you're gonna if you're gonna ruin the Bruins reign of terror, I think a lot of people like you too. That's fair. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll think on it. Okay. I'll try to I'll try to figure out which is the right guy to pick moving forward. I do have two more picks to report uh, for the Calder Trophy. Oh, goody. Here's a little redemption for you. Uh, you took Kale McCarr, who won the Calder Trophy. Wow. Uh, my picks could almost not have been much worse. Uh, see, now, where you have a Calder... Or, sorry, you have a Vesna curse. I arguably have a Calder curse, because this year I took Lafreniere. I don't remember who I took the first year. I'll go back and I'll revisit that. Last year, I said that it would be either Ryan Paling, if he was healthy, which he wasn't. Uh, if he wasn't healthy, I took Capo Caco, who, notorious, good rookie season last year. I think he had two points in 100 games. Big rookie guy. Um, so, yeah, not, not too good for me. Our cup picks. I took Vegas. You took the Leafs. Of course, the Lightning won the cup. And, uh... The last thing I have to report from that episode is we were going to the keg that night to watch the game. Oh, good. Simpler times. Weren't they, though? <laughs> Did you like that? No, it hurt a lot. It seems, it's, it seems like I've shattered your spirit. Yeah. You had a spirit when you got here. Yeah, I mean, I was really confident. I was feeling good about myself. <laughs> like, felt I was... Having a good impact day. You know? Oh, man. And now it's just apparently I don't know anything. It's, I talk about hockey it's, every week for it's, like two hours. And it's I the most insane, insane how. luck. Because even, even with the Calder, it's like it's it's un, it's unknown, right? Like, who the fuck knows, right? With goalies, usually you have a proven track record of like... Because no one's taken a rookie to win the Calder or win the Vesna, right? So it's usually a guy you've seen play before and you know that it's capable. And in your defense, they're three solid picks. Uh, all three of which have since been ruined since you took them. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not great. Um... Do you need me to host? Alright. Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, we're going to talk about the Sopranos for 40 minutes. Okay. Okay. And then uh, we wrap up with an overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. I'm thinking something about the uh, the Rolling Stones, maybe. And then uh, and then we're just going to listen to some records. It's going to be good. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds like a nice low-key yeah. episode where yeah. we can just kind of get back on track. And That's right. So, in the early days of The Sopranos, uh, Tony and AJ go to a Devils game. And, of course, uh, Carmela gets pissed. Because AJ was grounded, right? So, um, I guess there's some hockey references in The Sopranos, you know? Mm. AJ has, like, a Marty Brodeur poster in his room. So, here's what I think the underlying meaning of that is. Alright, we're going to get to... You good now? Okay. Yeah, we're going to get to some some current hockey and and look to the future. Because looking to the past has not been kind to us thus far. That's right. Um... Okay, I want to start off with something kind of fun. We're, we'll be real quick with this. Sure. But I just, I saw it, I laughed 
for uh, a solid few minutes. I'm actually I'm going to send it to you right now. I don't know if you actually found the photo. Uh, probably I'm just going to send you that on Twitter so you can pull it up and maybe you can have a chuckle with me. Um, because everybody's favorite hot dog eating winger in the NHL, uh, he got to 500 NHL assists on Saturday night, which uh, colored me shocked. I did not think he was anywhere close to 500 assists in his career. See, and the interesting thing to your point is I'm surprised he's only at 500 assists, huh. actually. Okay. I would have thought like 6, 650. But so yeah, Phil, anyway. Phil Kessel uh, pots assist number 500. Oh, boy. And the NHLPA comes out and uh, oh, puts a, a congratulatory little image, little graphic, you know, of, of Phil. Big 500 above his, his photo. Obviously, he's with the Coyotes, so he's in a Coyotes jersey, which is great. And uh, and then they've got a little montage in the back, and it's got Kessel with the with the Coyotes fist bumping at the bench, and him with the with the Penguins and a couple shots, and then and then he's celebrating with the Bruins. You know, remember when he was a Bruin back in two thousand and six? Like I know, I watched it, but no, not really. Anyone care to venture which of the teams that what Phil Kessel played for fuck? was not included in this graphic? For 500 assists. Uh, hint, it's the team that he's uh, scored the most assists in his career with. The team that he's played the most games in his career with. Played almost 500 games in Toronto. No Leafs. Of his 500 assists, he has almost half of them with one franchise. Didn't make the cut for the uh, for the montage there. He played almost half his career in Toronto. Yep. Yep. Two, two, two different images of him with the Bruins, two with the Penguins, actually, two with the Coyotes. The so. thing I'm the more shocked about this, actually, now that I have the numbers in front of me, is that Phil Kessel played 222 games for the Bruins. It's a lot more than I thought. I, I thought yeah. he played like a season and a half before he before he went out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is almost as bad as like <laughs> leaving the Leafs off of like a Doug Gilmore montage. It's it's not that bad, but yeah, it's it's comparable. Like aside from the fact that he was the captain, so you you probably have to take right. like like leaving Ronick, like the Chicago Blackhawks era of of Ronick's career, just mm-hmm. forgetting about that. Yeah. What? I'll tell you who forgets about it is most of the Blackhawks fans. Yeah. Hey yo. There it is. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because uh, I saw five hundred assists and I thought, wow, that's that's fantastic. Um, is is Phil going to be a Hall of Famer? Ooh. Like he's starting to slow down a little bit now, but I think if there's enough runway there where he'll probably he'll yeah, I think he'll get in shouting distance of five hundred goals. And he's already got five hundred assists. He's yeah. got the cups. I th- I think the answer is no. Um <clears throat> but I think that's a different conversation if he rightfully won the uh at least the one con smythe that he deserved. Yeah. Uh, that's if, fair. if not both of the con smythes that he deserved, in my yeah. opinion. Um look, I mean like as a guy who now likes Sidney Crosby, I'm happy that Crosby has fucking Conn Smites that we can talk about. But f- Phil should have had both of those. You know, was was there ever <laughs> like, was there ever a period in his career like and and maybe this was while he was with the Leafs and unfortunately those were some pretty bad teams. Mm, um, good times. But like, was he ever like the best right winger in the league mm. at any stretch? Hard to say. I mean, like, I feel like we never really got the full extent of how good he actually was, too, in his prime, because uh, most of his Leafs career was with Tyler Bozak as his center, which, Mm -hmm. all credit to Tyler Bozak, he was not a number one center, right? Like, it's it's, it's like having Derek Brassard as your number one center. It's like, yeah, that's good. 
It's not. You, sh- you should have someone better than like, that. He, he finished top five points with the Leafs more times than Matt Sundin did. Hmm. And, like. I don't think I knew that. Matt Sundin. Really? Throughout his career has been a lot. Uh, you know, was a much better consistent player than Phil sure. Kessel has been. Yeah. But, like, I'm just thinking the high for Kessel might have been a little higher than it was at any point for Sundin, which is insane to say, but yeah. Sundin had good players around him for the most part, and he had a competent coaching staff behind him and a goaltender. Yeah. And, you know, uh, yeah, it just got my brain thinking, because like I said, I didn't think he was anywhere close to 500 assists. Um, and uh, when I heard the number, it just kind of got the gears going in my head, and I thought, wow, this, this guy might have a chance here if he yeah. get close to 500 goals. I'm, I'm going to say no, but what I will say is if they want to put him in, I'm full support because I think Phil Kessel fucking rocks. Phil Kessel. So. We'll just get the uh, we'll get the the Hall of Fame engraving shot with him in the, with the hot dogs, right? That'll, that'll go in Toronto, the corner there, downtown. You could go a lot of different directions with Steve that. Steve Simmons can go visit it whenever he wants. That's right. I, I will say, too, while we're on the topic of Phil Kessel, I, I played his like 878th consecutive game or something tonight. Yeah, he's getting close, Like, eh? fucking crazy, man. Like, that that guy hasn't been hurt since he got a wrist surgery the summer he got traded to Toronto. Yeah. Which, if most of you remember listening to this podcast, good for you, because most of our listeners probably don't remember that. You take out you take out the COVID games, like, mind you, there was only a dozen, but you add those to the total and then give him a full season in 2013. Yeah. Like, yeah, the same argument goes for Patrick Marlowe, who was... Closing in on the all-time Ironman streak record himself, but right. between the two of them, like maybe they're a lot closer than they are currently, and kind of insane for Phil. Yeah, Kessel. like that's the thing with Mar. Like, that's the thing with Marlowe too. Like you have to think about it. Like not only do not only does Marlowe have the record right now, if it weren't for the lockout and the half lockout, and you know what I mean, losing games last year. I also don't think Pat- Patrick Marlowe's still fucking playing hockey if uh, if he had the record already. Like, yeah. I think that's pretty much what he's trying to do, right? So he'd be retired by it right now. You know? Yeah. Uh, Marlowe is uh, 70... No. Eight uh, years uh, old. Six, yes, 60. that's roughly what I thought. But S- 76 games away from the all-time record. Uh, Phil Kessel is, yeah, eight games behind Marlowe. Uh, do you venture to take a guess at who is currently leading the NHL in the Ironman uh, race? Who's leading the NHL currently? Yeah. How is it not Phil Kessel? Well, as I just mentioned, Patrick Marlowe is eight games ahead of Phil Kessel for the Ironman streak. Among Wait, Marlowe still has an active Ironman streak? 886 I thought he games. got scratched a shit ton. No, not yet. That's crazy. He's not good. Um, so someone currently has it that isn't them? It's not It's not Yandel? It's Yandel. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, is the third player ever to get to 900 uh, games tonight. Playing his oh, yeah. 900th straight game. Because I was going to say Cogliano was close, and then he got hurt last year. Or yeah. scratched, or whatever 2018, happened, but yeah. 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 Or 2018, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Bowmeister <laughs> had a good stretch there for a while. Uh, but yeah. yeah, active players, it's Yandel, who is 900th game tonight for the streak. Uh, then Marlowe. And then I don't Kessel. fault guys for getting hurt. Like, shit happens, but like, yeah. man, that's so, that's so cool that some of these guys can just stay healthy. Like, especially in hockey. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like... Especially it, Phil Kessel, a guy that, by all accounts, is perceived as being, like, an unconditioned guy. Yeah. Right? That's right. Like, that's right. Kill, uh, Philly, a little winded after uh, back-to-back nights there? Like, yeah, it's not, not too good, right? It's not too good. <laughs> but, that's your conditioning. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it honestly makes the... Uh, it honestly makes, like, if you think about it that way, too, it, it makes Cal Ripken's streak so batshit insane to me, too, when you think about that, right? Because, like, to stay healthy playing hockey is hard enough, and to do it over the course of 900 games over the course of however many years... Cal Ripken played 2,600 games in a row. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. How's that fucking possible? I, I think the only one that might be more impressive to me is, would be, like, Glenn Hall, who played, like... 760 games in a row as a goaltender. Like, that's pretty fucked. That's pretty cool to watch, for sure. <laughs> Back yeah. in an era with no masks, where you're yeah. probably taking fucks off the dome. <laughs> yeah. That's what made him stronger, James. That's yeah, what they always exactly. say. Put hair on his chest. Yeah. Um, speaking of putting hair on your chest, the Buffalo Sabres Ooh. and their coaches all got COVID. Manscaped here is our <laughs> yeah. sponsor this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Buffalo Sabres coaching yeah. staff uh, couldn't play. Look, now- look, every season there's a main character on this podcast. There's a team we just pick on every week. And the Sabres are our team this year. You just, you can't help but do it. This is the sequel, right? Because we weren't right. at the team last year as well. <laughs> no, it wasn't last year the Senators, or the Senators two years ago now. Two, two years ago. Yeah, with the, the taxi squad. Yeah. Or the, sorry, the Uber uh, incident. <laughs> um, Same thing. That was fun. That that was one of my favorite off-ice stories in the history of the NHL. That one is going to, like, I'll be like 70 years old and I'll still be thinking about that shit that they got caught on camera just, you know, saying, saying things that they yeah. would have said anyway. Yeah, Sabres have COVID. Um, not good. I, I, I do think... Uh, like, here's where I'll cut the Sabres a little bit of slack, too. I do think part of them... Uh, and this insane losing streak that they're on is the fact that they have at least one guy who's playing every game that has said, yeah, I don't feel right since I had COVID. Like, I don't feel good. Okay, okay. Maybe shut him down, then... You know what I mean? Like, let him rest. And uh, I don't know the full extent of it, but, I mean, Ristolainen still plays every day and, by all accounts, uh, isn't 100%. So I don't know how many guys on that team actually are. Um, it is hard to lose 17 games in a row, and uh, they're they're going for a record themselves uh, in the next few days. So that that's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, it's just another incident in a season where this team seems fucking doomed like I don't really know how else to to put it it's like to me it's almost more impressive that they didn't get it the first time around like when the players all got it because yeah. by all accounts most of the team had it back then well and that's the thing too right because they they were shut down like who like Ralph Kirker did have it didn't he so this is I the didn't. second set of coaches yeah he did this is the second it? set of oh, fucking coaches Jesus. to get sick this year for this team what what could go like what more could go wrong it's crazy. It's it, it's actually like, it's pretty depressing. Like by all accounts, it's insane. Like it's just it's I it's hard for me to believe that this season is actually happening for them. Like as much as we've seen the worst team in the league be embarrassing over the last few years, like you know, the Red Wings at least they didn't look like the bad news bears last year. They just lost every night. You know what I mean? Like they were trying, they were working hard. Like Buffalo, it's like thing after thing. No one's even remotely happy, at least with Detroit. They're like, well, but we'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like this all work out in the long run. You know, there were still like optimistic people in the organization last year with Buffalo. It's like, everyone's looking around being like, man, oh man, am I ever jealous of Eric Stahl getting traded to the one team he didn't want to get traded to, but he's getting the fuck out of here, so good for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just everywhere you look. It, it, it's uh, it's bonkers. 
It's bonkers. Kevin Adams had to come down from the uh, the manager's box and step behind the bench and yeah. uh, lead the team to. Wouldn't that be great? You know, if he just snapped the streak. No, they lost again, and they they are now one win. Oh, one win, one loss away uh, from the all-time initial record set by the 2003-2004 Pittsburgh Penguins. Eighteen consecutive losses. They're gonna do it. Who are they playing? Oh yeah, we talked about this. It's the Flyers, eh? Is it the Flyers? It's the Flyers. It is the Flyers. Yeah, yeah on Monday for the to tie the must record, see television to folks. tie the record and then to break the record. Flyers on Monday and Wednesday. We'll have to see. Wow, what a what a honestly though, what a fucking pair of teams to be matched up where it's just like, yeah, we got to get our shit together here pretty soon. No right? kidding, you know, a couple of. I was gonna say a couple of coaches on the hot seat, but I, I can't imagine the seats uh, all that warm in Buffalo. It's <laughs> I don't even know if they have a seat still, bro. It's hard for the coach to be on the hot seat when you don't even know who the coach is because he's out because he has fucking COVID. Like true, you know. I couldn't name him. That's right. Um, uh, speaking of the Flyers, too, the Flyers won today. They did so, and the Sabres were, were leading today at one point. That's so right. That's so progress. So, some happiness on the horizon, yeah. maybe, for both teams. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, they also got COVID. Uh, the first Canadian team to Jesus. get uh, games cancelled uh, this season. And I gotta tell you, if we had set an over or under uh, this year for uh, how long it would take uh, a Canadian game to get cancelled, uh, this is this is really surprising me. I, th- I thought this was going to happen, like, week three. And we're, uh, like... A month away from the end of the season, almost. So, um, that's wild. Like, I, I'm i surprised it took this long. And then it got to a point where it was like, okay, it's just never going to happen. Clearly, the regulations are working. Yeah. And then it does happen. Um, so, yeah, three games against the Edmonton Oilers canceled. I believe the Habs are set to resume play on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're eligible to uh, pick up their schedule then. Yeah, I, I thought it was Tuesday, but yeah, they're, they're yeah, next. Whatever their game is. Yeah. They're next. Uh, like, they have a game that would have been canceled for tomorrow, and then they can either resume, or sorry, today, I guess, because we're recording Saturday for Sunday. Um, yeah, I think they're good to go Monday or Tuesday anyway. Yeah. As of right now. So, um, the good news there is, by all accounts, um, it hasn't spread. It was It was one guy that came down with it. Uh, they were pretty worried because it Is was... Is that what they said? Yeah. yeah they, they came down, they, it was... They, oh, it was a variant, though. Eh? They a said, variant. yeah. So they were really worried that it, it was going to spread, and by all accounts, it hasn't. Now, it's only been, what, like a week, I guess, since they found out? Yeah, not even. So this could still get out of control, but it's better than waking up the next day and half the team's got it. Um, and the other thing is, is that if you're going to postpone these games, and you're going to go out there and make some trades... Uh, it gives uh, newly acquired Eric Stahl mm. three more games that he can get involved in because uh, they got pushed back. Yeah. So the quarantine period uh, isn't going to be as uh, stingy for the Habs, by all accounts. Um, Eric stingy. Stahl, yeah, stingy, stingy, stingy. Uh, Eric Stahl to the Montreal Canadiens for a third round and a fifth round pick. Eric Stahl retained at fifty percent by the Buffalo Sabers. Um, Eric Stahl. Waived his uh, his uh, no trade clause because he had the the Canadians on his uh, list of teams that he did not want to go to. But apparently, uh, after you know thirty three games of playing in Buffalo, uh, 
Montreal wasn't looking too bad, you know. Oh, like it wasn't looking. looking bad. So uh, yeah, he's he's off the first Stall brother to play in Canada. Um, your thoughts, sir, on the pickup of Stall in Montreal? Yeah, it's uh, it's fine. I mean, it's it's a good fit. Like they they didn't really give up much for him. It's uh, I gotta tell you, I, I'm not super impressed with uh, with Kevin Adams on that trade. I think that. Uh, the Canadians could have done a lot, or sorry, the Sabres could have done a lot better there for Eric Stahl. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to believe in a year where there's no centers available that trading him now rather than waiting a week when all the teams are panicking because they're fucking second-line centers out, uh, you're, you're getting more than a third and a fifth then, and you probably don't, don't have to pertain, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it, very, very weak, weak fucking return for uh, for Buffalo there. Um, having said that, like, it's, it's not, I don't think it's going to be a huge difference maker for Montreal. I could be wrong though. I could, I could see this being a, I could see it being a good trade. I think Eric Stahl fits there mostly because, and this isn't a knock on the Habs either. Uh, Stahl, I don't know if you know this, uh, not super fast. And the Habs, I don't know if you know this, also not very fast. So, um, I, I think that he's probably the right type of centerman to make it work there. He's, he's good down low and in the corners and shit like that. And, um, help them sustain some pressure and, you know, take some pressure off of some guys there too, which I think is the big thing. Cause, uh, Dino sucks and, uh, cock not been amazing or anything. So, uh, it helps a lot. I think, uh, in that sense, does it really move the needle for Montreal? That's hard to say, but at worst, they gave up a third and a fifth for a guy who should be, somewhat productive for them anyway he's having a really bad season uh i don't know how much of that you want to chalk up to being stuck in buffalo um the one credit i'll give him is he's one of the few guys who has any type of positive analytics numbers at all on the buffalo sabers like any kind mm -hmm. and even though even they're kind of average but it's like whatever yeah i i i was surprised like like you said uh on the return especially considering like if you're going to deal with montreal they have two second round picks. Like, how yeah. are you, how are you not? I would rather have the one second round pick as opposed to a third and a fifth. Now, apparently, Buffalo wanted to pick up draft picks in those rounds because they had lost uh, their picks in those mm-hmm. rounds. Fuck. So I don't know how much concern so Kevin Adams says goes OCD into that. is what you're telling me. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much concern. And like, look, maybe not your guy then. All bets are off this this summer. I, I'll say that up front. Like. The value between a second round pick and a fifth round pick is going to be at an all time low, because you don't know what any of these fucking prospects are going to. Do. You you might be picking guys in the sixth round that should have been going in the second. Like we don't know. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where. <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, like maybe maybe in a sense something to Kevin Adams was like you know, I could get two seconds, but how about we do a third and a fifth? Because if I fuck up these picks, it doesn't look as bad. Yeah, there you go. You know what yeah, I mean? And considering there. considering and like. Uh, they have, I would say, uh, objectively the worst scouting department in the National Hockey League in Buffalo. Um, not just opinion; like they, they, it's a fact. They spend the least amount of money on scouting. So, what are the odds any of these picks turn into anything anyway? Pretty fucking low. Yeah, like most of their picks don't. So, um, Oof. Uh, also joining the Montreal Canadiens is uh, Cole Caulfield. Uh, mm. Just signed today. Cole cough syrup. Before we came on, uh, entry level three year deal, eight hundred and eighty thousand 
dollar cap hit. Now, here's the thing. A lot of Montreal fans are getting a little too excited about this guy. And, okay. And here's why. Because, um... No. They can't Because he plays center? Is that why? Does he? No, he doesn't, actually. Never mind. They... Uh, they can't afford to put him on the roster because they just went <laughs> and traded for Eric Stahl. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Like, Mark Bergevin keeps telling us he's done and then he goes out and does stuff. Yeah. So. That was my favorite part about the Stahl trade, eh? Is earlier that day he was just like, you know what? I don't see any possibility we make a trade before the April 12th deadline and then they trade for Eric Stahl and fucking end up signing Cole Caulfield in the next couple days. And yeah. Hilarious. So, I, I don't really know. Um, if he's in the plans this year, he can obviously go to the AHL now that his season's done in college. Um, he could, I guess, in theory, join the taxi squad and just chum around with the boys and maybe wait for an injury. But he's probably better off getting some AHL time, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're going to go out there and they're going to trade somebody out of town, you know, like Joel Armia, just to clear up space to bring the kid in, which... I also think it would be absolutely fucking ridiculous of them to do, but... Um, I mean, yeah, if it's Armia specifically, uh, there are guys where, like, if you can ship them out to yeah. save you some salary. I, it's just, I don't know who's, uh, I don't know who's trading for Paul Byron you right. know, in a COVID season, so... You could probably convince somebody to take Corey Perry, right? League men, free agent at the end mm, of the year? Not me. Not anyway, you, eh? No, you can't okay. convince me. Where, where, where do you land on the Cole Caulfield debate? Because I know there's a lot of people sure. that... Like, Habs fans, I think, overrate him, whereas I think, like, Leafs fans kind of underrate him on purpose. Um, well, yeah, no one likes hearing about the team you hate's fucking players, right? right? Like, you like, know, that's why I, everyone hates the Leafs, is because it's all you hear about is their players. I've never really seen the appeal. I don't really get it. Yeah. But, and that's not a, that's not me being a Leaf homer glasses type of, like, I, I, love admitting when teams have great prospects I get excited for other teams to have great prospects uh, I by all accounts don't love the Ottawa Senators and I'm having a ton of fun with Timmy Stutzla this year so yeah, I'm getting sick of him already oh that's really I aggressive yeah, I, I, I don't even want to admit it but mm. I kind of am sick of hearing about him um, that's only because he's the rightful heir to the Calder Trophy it's probably because I got it's because I got to watch him play 10 times a year probably <laughs> that's all I hate everyone too. in that fucking division now uh, but yeah like where do you fall on the Cole Caulfield hype train because like I said like I yeah. I don't think it's all there but maybe I'm wrong well the thing to say I would I would I would imagine is that um like so he's the runaway favorite for the Hobie Baker Trophy right by all accounts he should oh that award that's voted on by the fans uh, I actually don't know who votes on that. Is that who votes on it? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, Online popularity vote. Well, from what I hear, though, he's having a fucking outstanding season. And, sure. uh Whether or not he is, I, I really don't care. Because um, my thought here is that uh, with college players, is it's always been kind of hard to tell exactly what you're getting. And, you know, there's a proven track record of uh, Hobie Baker winners being terrible. In the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, the last time I remember, other than Kale McCarr, maybe hearing about a guy who was a runaway, like, unbelievable college Hobie Baker winner kind of thing was Jimmy Vesey, who was, uh, I watched him play, and it's mm-hmm. not very good. Mm. Um, what I will say, though, like, kind of my point to this is that I've noticed that Hobie Baker winners are gradually starting to have more NHL success. And there does seem to be a little bit more of a direct translation, for whatever reason, into NHL success from Hobie Baker winners than there was 10, 15 years ago kind of thing. Um, 
so I'm not, I'm not, I honestly, I don't really rest anywhere. Like all it is, is that he's a five foot seven kid who's going to have to find a way to score goals in a national hockey league against guys that are much bigger than him. And you hear that time and time again. And for a lot of guys, that doesn't matter. Like size doesn't fucking matter. And, and we see all these little guys come in and, and be unbelievable and it doesn't really matter, you know? But there are a lot of guys where it does matter. Like, like for every one Marty St. Louis, there's like 10, uh, 10 Nathan Gerby kind of things, right? Where it's like, even if they make it, they're not, you know, super productive or anything like that. So uh, I, I have a little bit of caution, but everything I've heard about the kid is that he's fucking unbelievable. So uh, I kind of want him to suck because I haven't, I'm sick of hearing about him. But eh, I don't know. It looks like he's probably going to be pretty good. Okay. You know, it's hard for me to say it's all I'm getting at. It's like, it's like, you know, yeah, Jack Eichel and Kale McCarr won, and Johnny Goudreau won the Hobie Baker Trophy in the last seven years, but so did Jimmy VC and Adam Gaudette, who, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I remember back in the, uh, back in the day, uh, David Emma, you've never heard of him, but no. uh, he won the Hobie Baker uh, Trophy uh, the same year that Eric Lindros was going to be coming into the NHL, and there was... A lot of takes back in the day that hey, the David Emma, better better prospect here than uh, Eric Lindros. I don't think that worked out. And uh, David Emma played yeah. thirty four NHL games and had eleven points. Yeah, not quite, not quite the Hall of Fame career we uh, we were talking about no. back in the day. We like I was there. Yeah, um, yeah, in your birth year, yeah. he came out of the womb just talking about David Emma. Big fan. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we talked about uh, Stahl and Colefield to Montreal. We had one other uh, transaction that took place today uh, before we hopped on uh, to record, and that was Brendan Lemieux going to L.A. for a fourth-round pick. So apparently, Brendan Lemieux, if I have this right, is worth roughly the same as Eric Stahl in the sense that oh, he's God. between a third- and fifth-round pick and a fourth-round pick. So that's about the same value. Uh, he goes to L.A. Kind of weird, like, why L.A. would bring this guy in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get. I get trading. Uh, I get trading for Lemieux, the player. I don't know how I feel about trading for a, a Tony D'Angelo's podcast uh, with Brandon Lemieux, but um, like the Kings don't need him this year by all accounts. No. I mean, I'm very, very anti Brandon Lemieux. I, uh, in addition to public knowledge, have heard stories that are not public knowledge that he is a horrible human being and. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want him anywhere near fucking Quentin Byfield at all. I don't want him in Los Angeles running amok. Like, I don't want this guy on my team or anywhere near it. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, the I, 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 can, I can maybe get behind this in the sense that the Rangers want to get rid of him. But it's just really weird for me that the Kings yeah. are a team that... A good trade gonna, by the Rangers, I gotta say. Yeah, I like it a lot. That the Kings are gonna pony up. And, and give up the pick like it just I saw the trade and I had to like sit down I was at work and I had to sit down and read the tweet like five times to really figure out what the, what the point was here and I, I still don't know yeah yeah I don't uh, I don't really get it um, what, what's his contract situation 1.5 for another year after for this. another year yeah I really don't like that for the Kings at all yeah well, we won't spend any more time. Uh, speaking of dicks, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, the Calgary Flames played keep away with uh, their uh, goaltender Philip Gustafson's oh, no. first win puck the other night uh, when uh, the Ottawa Senators beat the Calgary Flames again. Um, 
Yeah, you you, you kind of mentioned that you wanted to touch on this a little bit. Um, I thought it was pretty gutless, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I didn't know if you were going to come in and, and tell me that, like, Gustafson and... No, this really teaches him how to be a, a, a good young player in the National Hockey League. Yeah. It teaches him I, I was waiting character. for you to tell me that, hit, like, Lindholm and him were, like, no. roommates or something back no. in Sweden. I'm fucking, I'm fucking sick of the Calgary Flames, man. I'm sick of this fucking team being... Being big boys after 60 minutes, after they get their fucking ass kicked all the time, they decide to show up. Uh, all of a sudden, they, like, absolutely invisible. Matthew Kachuk gets a puck flipped out of him. He bitches about Jake Muzzin, and then the next night, he fucking doesn't do anything anyway. Then you got the whole thing, 7-3, and he, Matthew Kachuk bitching, bitching, bitch moan about the fucking Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, you, dude, you just lost 7-3. Then they fucking go and do this thing. Where, you know, Rasmus Anderson, all oh, that certainly wasn't my intention. Like, fuck you. You're just pissed that that got caught on video. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Because they don't have the... They haven't earned the benefit of the doubt anymore. Mm-hmm. This is a shitty group of guys that don't seem to give a fuck about each other. They don't seem to give a fuck about the other players on the other teams. And they all just seem to be a, a bunch of character-lacking douchebags as far as I'm concerned. I'm sick of this fucking team and I hope they crash and burn and I want Ottawa to fa- pass them in the standings. Fucking had it with them. Sick of fucking hearing about this team. How far is Ottawa behind them? Because uh, <laughs> I think it was three straight wins now. They're closing uh, the gap. They, I don't know the numbers now, but I know uh, a couple nights ago that they're closer to falling behind Ottawa than they are making the playoffs by odds. So, hmm. Oh, that's exciting. Because sure. they're, they're in a similar boat to, uh, to Vancouver, although not nearly as, as bad just mathematically where... Um, like they're they're behind Montreal by four points, but Montreal has four games in hand. Hmm. Like that's not a good position to be in. And same as the Canucks, like they're two points behind Montreal. They've Montreal six games in hand on Vancouver. Yeah, like like the, the, those races aren't done. We don't really have yeah. There's but not they're really, pretty close to getting cooked. Like that race is getting here. anywhere. Yeah, like the the no, central, I, and I think that's it. That's how it looks anyway. Like like I I heard that the other day too. That, you know what I mean, it looks like a lot of these races are kind of done and it's just going to be hard to 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 get back into it. But, I mean, it is, it's still a four-point swing on these games, right? Like, it, it's not like every year where you look at it and it's like, yeah, but, you know, then you got to beat St. Louis the next night and then you got to beat Florida. And then it's like, no, like, you got to beat the teams that you're chasing for the most part. So... Yeah, like I like I don't know if that's the case. Like for all I know, Vancouver has one game left against Montreal, which I actually think they don't play Montreal very much the rest of mm-hmm. the year. Um, but if they play Montreal six times, you know, you know what I mean. Like that that's that could be twelve points either way. Yeah, or it could break even, or you know what I mean. Like if you win those games, you could be right back into it. It just depends how everything ends up working out with the schedule. Yeah, I, I definitely don't know every team's layout in in terms of that, but like I know for example, like the Bruins. Where it's like, oh yeah, the Rangers and the Flyers, like, oh, they're, oh, they're still in this thing. But then you look, and it's like, yeah, the Bruins played their first game against the Sabers <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Like they got eight more games against the Sabers this year, so they should mm. be fine. <laughs> yeah, we're losing to the Sabers uh, today. Yeah, I'm not saying it was perfect, but granted, they did end up winning. Yeah, but... they got the thing done. Yeah. So <laughs> continue the streak. Am I right? All right. I, I think we're at the the big Kahuna here. The the hot potato piece de resistance mm-hmm. of the episode 
Overrated, um, underrated, favorite, least favorite, potato forms. Right. We're going to do it again and just the revi- potato. We're going to revisit this yeah. too. Yeah. It's just a greatest uh, hits episode, is right. all it is. Yeah. yeah just Inside the Mind of is what we're going to do next. Wow. Going way back. Oh boy. That's uh, talking about segments that did not last. In the year 2000. NHL referee Tim Peel. Timothy Frederick Peel Jr. Is that it? I have no idea. Um, Sounds made up. Was. Um, let go was asked kindly not to return to the rink <sighs> yeah <laughs> had his ID badge taken away you know what before we really get into it too I, I, I'm good with fired <laughs> they fired him in my opinion you know yeah well whether rightly or wrongly that's what they did you know but I'll, I'll push back on that only in the sense that... <laughs> Here we go! We're not even, we're not even in the conversation! I've, I've had it with this fired word. Like, if... if Reminds I, me of the Calgary Flames. It's just burning everywhere. If I'm Tim Peel and I hear that, uh, you know what? I'll push the retirement back a year. Your move, NHL. I'm, I'm all in. I'm coming, I'm coming back. I'm not retiring. Oh, I see what you're saying. And then make them do the, the thing where they say the word out loud. Because that's just, like, fucking girl pair here. What are we doing? Fire the guy. Just, just say it. Just say he's fired. Well, I Don't think... be nice to the guy because he spent 23 years hanging around in what the What was their wording? I thought they said fired. He, no, they, the exact wording from Colin Campbell's office was that Tim Peel will no longer, this year or any year, <laughs> ref NHL games. Yeah. And they did not at any point say that he was fired. Now, we all know what it meant. Sure. But why are we beating around the bush here? Why are we kind of leaving this ambiguity in the air about whether or not Tim Peel did something wrong... Or if we're, ah, you know what, he's just, he's not cut out anymore. He's just, he's lost an edge. The skill isn't there. No, he, he fucked up. That's what I'm going to get to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, call it whatever you want, NHL, but uh, Tim Peel, he was fired. Okay, well, we'll say it. We're, 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 yeah, we're that, that's what I mean. It. Like, yeah. I'm good with using that word. That's what they did. Uh, he was fired. Uh, now, this is, uh, as I kind of alluded to, this is a guy that was going to retire in two months anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, no, no harm done in the big picture, really. He misses out on that last game and getting to say goodbye to all the boys. And I'm, I'm sure that's really going to chew up, uh, whatever soul he has left. Um, but yeah, he, he's caught on a, a hot mic, uh, in the middle of a Detroit Nashville game. So nobody heard it. Um, but he was caught on a hot mic saying that it wasn't much. I just wanted to give them a fucking penalty early. Uh-huh. Uh, talking about the Nashville Predators, so blatantly stating something that we've we've all known for a very long time uh, that NHL referees call penalties not by the rule book but by their own internal assessment of what is going on in the game around them, and essentially the idea of makeup calls is no longer this leprechaun myth that we all think is real, but Right. We don't really know for sure. Uh, so now we know. The cat's out of the bag. The leprechaun's out of the... What do they live in? Trees? Hat? Oh, they wear hats. And isn't they... isn't the box of Lucky Charms, isn't he coming out of like a... Is he coming out of the rainbow? Maybe. I haven't had Lucky Charms in probably 20 years. Yeah. I, I'm I, looking it up. I don't know what they live in. But... Lucky Charms, he's wearing a hat. He yeah. doesn't. He's not really coming out of anything. Mm. You know, he's kind of just there. He's looking into the bowl on one of them. Mm. Okay. Leprechaun out of the uh, fairy tale, I guess, would be the. Yeah. There you go. That's so, I put that. 
Yeah, this happens uh, twelve hours later. Nasty. The NHL, the NHL fires him. Let's let's take a moment. Let's let's pause here because I think there's a few other avenues to kind of explore in in this bigger picture. Sure. Let's let's just take a second and and talk about the wording that Tim Peel used and what this said to you as a hockey fan. Okay. Oh, you want me to say? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It, 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 it. I mean, for a lot of people, it confirmed what they thought they already knew. And to me, yeah. it was, it was not like a, it wasn't even anything. Like it, it's one of those things where I was surprised that this is the first time this has happened because they fired him or, or let him go, and they were just like, "Yeah, no, we we can't have that perception." And I was like, "Wait, is this the first? This the first time that's happened? Really?" <laughs> Like, I just kind of figured that happened. Like, even everyone was going nuts on Twitter. And I was like, yes, yeah, so what? <laughs> that was my first thought. Like, how how naive are you? Does, does, am I the only one who watches hockey, like, every night kind of thing? Like, the refing is bad. It's been bad for a long time. It's steadily getting worse. And the reason is that, um, you know, when your team gets slashed and stuff like that, and it you can't understand why there's no call, it's because they're out of penalties. They called them all already. Oops, sorry. Like... Um, so yeah, like this is a thing that's been going on for quite a while. It didn't really confirm anything to me that I didn't already know. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with the NHL's decision like I do and I don't. Um, my big issue with it is more so just being a guy who, uh, is a believer in union rights and all that kind of shit. And I don't, uh, I don't like the idea of if Tim Peel was fired that he probably doesn't get any pension now I think is kind of ridiculous. So and that's why they didn't use the The word understanding fired, yeah. that I have is that they've had him voluntarily retire which to me is still firing other than the paperwork aspect of it. Yeah. But at least if that's how they did it he gets his full severance and he gets, you know what I mean, or sorry, his full pension. Um then I'm actually kind of okay with the decision even though I think like it's 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 ass backwards is the problem with it, right? Like like he's gonna be the scapegoat, and then you know Colin Campbell looks like he's the guy who's been doing everything proper this whole time when in reality he's the the crux of the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was uh, nothing nothing more important than ensuring the integrity of the game," said Vice President Colin Campbell in a statement. Now I'm I'm glad you you kind of phrased your answer there the way you did because. I I heard the statement that Tim Peel made, and to me, it came across as a very nonchalant, I say this ten times a night anyway, and so does every other referee, and... Yeah, like, what I was curious about was if the re- other referee looked at him after the mic got turned off and was like, what the fuck you talking about? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what I was curious about. Like, what did the other guys say? Right, you know. So now, if if it is that nonchalant, and you do tell players that I wanted to get a call out there for Nashville, right? It wasn't much. Yeah. So all the players know about it. Not only do they know about it, a lot of them are clearly okay with it mm-hmm. because we've never even heard a player be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, this this happens and it's a problem." Like Kevin Bieksa went on TV multiple times this week and is like. Yeah, that's the way it is, and, and everyone knows that. Like, that's this isn't a surprise either. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I also know that. But, like, 
you guys are okay with all that kind of shit? Like, you're you're actually aware of it? Like, I thought the fans were maybe more aware of it than your Kevin BX's and yeah. stuff like that. But no, they know just as well as we do that this is how it works. And they're fine with it. Which is... Which By is, all accounts. Which is There were multiple people that were just like, yeah, you gotta manage the game. Yeah. Which, like, yes and no, though. Like, you also need to call the rulebook within... <laughs> within reason that you're act you can actually say you're calling some of the rules whereas like i would say the rule book and the actual games are two t- separate entities at this point <laughs> like they're not even close right we um we saw microphones covered a couple uh i guess the next night thursday night uh in the toronto ottawa game where referees were clearly making a point of i'm not gonna get caught on a live mic and, and lose my job which like yeah, that's really fucking smart. And, like, I would probably do the same thing, because why would anyone want to get fired? I was simultaneously, f- like, yeah, good call, man, and also fucking furious at that ref for doing that, too. Because yeah. it was like, what the fuck is he saying? You know right. what I mean? So, I, I guess ultimately here, we, we've kind of beat around the bush, but what what is the answer? Like, how, what, do you, what do you do? Or how do like we move forward from thing? this point? Like, is is the NHL at a, at a crossroads here? Or is relieving Tim Peel of his duties enough? Or, well, you know, like, I think enough, like, the curtain's been pulled back enough by this that the NHL can't just say, it's just Tim Peel. It was just him. It was just this one guy. Because you got guys on TV covering microphones (laughs) that they're wearing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you move forward? Yeah, speaking of pension plans, I feel like it's time for Colin Campbell to freaking activate his is actually my solution to that. Mm. Uh, I think... I think Colin Campbell is at least at least 10 years now. Like, it's getting in the Don Cherry territory for me. At least 10 years now where it's like, yeah, this, he's done, man. Like, this guy this guy does not... I didn't know he was still working, He doesn't honest. bring anything to the fucking league anymore. He's been checked out for years. Uh, especially now that his kid's not in the league, he really doesn't care. Like, I don't even think he watches the games anymore. Uh, Colin Campbell is, I would say like by far the worst of the high-ranking NHL officials that I'm aware of. He's an ass. He's terrible. And, um, yeah, they need someone to step in and completely, completely revamp this within reason, right? Like, like I'm not going to sit here and say that um, there is something to be said about game management. Like, I understand that at a certain point, you know, penalties are going to kind of help cool the temperature down of the game and stop things from getting a little crazy sometimes but that's not the case every night i wouldn't say uh i would say there are a lot of nights where the game is uh cool as a cucumber and all we're doing is just watching like pucks getting flipped over the glass and oh there's two minutes so next time uh buddy trips over the blue line i'm gonna just call a tripping penalty over the uh, to the closest guy nearby to even that up what the hell are we talking about here like what what the hell am i watching there are so many instances in a night where I watch it where there will be eight penalties and five of them don't make sense to me. And then another 10 to 15 to 20 incidents where there's a clear slash or a clear whatever where there's no call. Call some of those. Like, you don't even need to call all of them, like, necessarily. Like, I'm not sitting here saying that I want to see 30 power plays a night. But if that's what it fucking takes, yeah, I'll watch 60 minutes of a fucking power play. If that's what we have to get for this game to get fucking called, somewhat close to the way it's supposed to get called. You know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, I thought that 
probably the best hockey I've ever seen in my life was after the 2005 lockout. I thought it was fine. Uh, there were a lot of power plays. I got annoyed kind of watching so many power plays, but I was so happy that there were no more Brian McCabe can opener shit going on out there. And you know what I mean? Guys getting cross-checked in the kidneys and no, like no calls. And now that's back. Um, you know, like I was happy that that was gone and I was fine with the uptick in offense and the uptick in power plays because at least the game looked the way it was supposed to look kind of, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm at that point now and have been for probably four years now where I'm watching more hockey now than I have ever before. And I'm watching it and just saying like, fuck, like you can't, you can't do anything now. Like there's so many times where, uh, a guy will chip a puck into the corner and then, like, I watched a Devils game the other day. A guy chips puck into the corner. And P.K. Subban takes three steps over and stands in front of this guy instead of pursuing the puck. Which is interference. And it was no call. And that happens, what, 10, 15, 20 times a game? Mm-hmm. And that's just one example of a penalty where it's just like, if you started calling that, you would see it happen twice a night, at most... You call those two times, and then those other 18 incidents don't exist anymore because guys will stop doing it. They did stop doing it in 2005. It just gradually came back because people stopped giving a shit, you know? And it's the same thing, like, there's ways to clear the net without jamming a guy in the back 12 times into the kidneys. If that's how you want to do it, and that's how you want to try to clear the front of the net, go right the fuck ahead. But that doesn't mean you're going to be allowed to do it, or that you should be allowed to do it. Sometimes that should be called a penalty. You know? Mm -hmm. And to me, there's just so many things where it's like I watch it and it's like, fuck, like you're not even allowed to do that, but you are allowed to do it. And it doesn't make sense to me. So what, so to answer your question, the long-winded answer, I was, I was trying not to get on a rant here, but they, they need to completely overhaul it similar to the way they did 15 years ago. Maybe like, I don't know how you do that over the course of one off season is the problem. They need to start working on it because the whole crux of this issue over the past week was not even the integrity of the game, which, like, that should be the top issue, but it's not even. The biggest issue here now is all the money that comes into gambling and all the money that ESPN's going to be fucking playing, paying for this sport and all the money that people want to invest into it, and you can't have referees saying that they're controlling the game that much. Like, they, they can't be the thumb over the whole game. They, they should have a direct, like correlation to the pulse of the game but they can't be the end-all and be-all they're not the show i'm not here to watch eric furlat or graham skillet or i'm here to watch fucking Connor mcdavid or austin matthews right yeah now a lot a lot, a lot to get to there uh you, you brought up some great points yeah i'm sorry no it's all good <laughs> um i i'm thinking I, about it all fucking weeks so. that's, that's fair <laughs> i i've i've kind of got the, a really cynical like approach to this because Ooh, i am color me shocked i am <laughs> Like, this isn't a black and white issue. And it seems no, to me no, that a it, lot of right. fans seem to think that it's it's either this is how it is, or we call the rule book. Mm-hmm. And you can't call the rule book. No. I'm sorry. No. Like, you just can't. And I, people no. need to realize that. They have to get that through their heads sooner than later. Because we, we're not going to stop a hockey game every 45 seconds. It's too many rules. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> you know? Right. Um... But I, I think the way it, it's played now doesn't work either. The problem that I have is that we we have this weird middle. You know, you know what's the circle chart where you got the two circles, then there's that 
that one in the middle that kind of overlaps and both things apply to that middle circle you know it's like you're talking about a Venn diagram is that that's what it is that's Venn, right Venn diagram yeah there's the, the the middle circle is this weird juicy center that is right the mistakes because NHL referees are human it's kind of like a pie right the juicy center NHL referees are humans and they're, they're gonna make mistakes so you've got two options you either call every penalty and you call the rule book and then every mistake that an NHL referee does make doesn't matter in the big picture because your team is going to take a slashing call 20 seconds from now anyway and mm-hmm. it'll be back to four on four or we let them continue as it is and they make a mistake which leads to a goal and then and then they have to make it up in their minds because they fucked up which isn't in insane way to approach the game mm-hmm. but if you're gonna if, if me as a human being I'm just trying to put put myself into the picture if I fuck up something once I never want to fuck that thing up again ever and even even if I know I probably will I'm gonna go out of my way to not fuck that up again sure and I imagine never having done it but I, I would imagine that a lot of referees are gonna try to do that and then all of a sudden yeah Toronto goes three penalties in a row without taking one because, oh, yeah, we called one against you earlier and, well, you know, we fucked up and, well, we're not we're not going to penalize you guys next time type of deal because the penalty all of a sudden turns into the goal which wins the game in the big picture. Yeah. So I, I don't really think it's an easy fix. I don't I don't think that there's any one way to kind of kind of go about doing it. But but my suggestion, my thought process is, is this this is a great opportunity to change the entire way in which we call penalties. I'm I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question because I I don't watch as much of these sports as as you do. Sure. But I'm going to point to other sports. And I know that that's really it's apples and oranges and I I get that it's a hard conversation no, to have. No, but but it that's all you have to go on. Right. Of, so in basketball <clears throat> and in football, primarily I'm going to work with those two sports, you see a lot of penalties called every every night. By by, you know, comparison to, to an NHL game, right? Yeah. And I think, I think, as an outside observer, I won't even call myself a fan, just just a guy that's familiar with the, the layout of the sports, I think a big part of that is because those officials are reacting to something that's gone wrong. And that team is fucked up, we've called a penalty, and what's going to happen is the play stops, Mm-hmm. We correct what happened, we fix the problem, and then we start the clock again. And, and the game resumes and we start playing again. And anything that happens from here on out, that's on you guys, right? In the NHL, I, I find it's a different beast because if you call a penalty against a team, they now have to spend the next two minutes or more at a disadvantaged position. Mm-hmm. They are effectively taking the game clock, which has a finite you know, expiration to it, and reducing it by the amount of potential playing time that you have... Uh, as a team, uh, in an offensive capability. Mm-hmm. So, NHL referees are perhaps more reluctant to call penalties because, gee, you know, it's there's four minutes left in the game and a two-minute penalty is 50% of the remaining time in the game. Uh, but that same play in the first five minutes of the game doesn't have the same weighted outcome. I think that's a big problem in the, in, in the game of hockey in the sense that you can have a one-play determines so much of the playing time at any given time. And, and that's going to fluctuate whether it's the first five minutes or the last five minutes, right? 
And that, that's a big play. Yeah. That's a big call. You don't have that problem in basketball. You don't have that problem in football. So here's here's what I'm proposing. Here's here's my proposal to the NHL. All right. You reduce the time of a penalty. You listening, Gary? Yeah. You you reduce the time that the penalty is served. So you you trip a guy, you slash a guy, you flip the puck over the glass by accident because it's a fast moving sport and that shouldn't be a penalty in the first place. And you make these calls a minute, sixty seconds. Okay. So now we've taken the time that a penalty is going to potentially be. We reduce it in half. And if you high stick a guy, sure, he can still sit four minutes for leading, and you can still have your five minute match penalties and your you know suspensions and your misconducts and all the rest of it. You can still have that. Mm-hmm. It, it just falls on the judgment of the referee. You go, you go sixty seconds, no icing. Yeah, I'm good with that. Cool. Yeah. We're just fixing the NHL. Yeah, we fixed officiating. No, because like because here, here the like going back to what you were you were kind of getting at is like you're trying to compare it to other sports like. Like in in well, yeah, I guess baseball doesn't really have it, but like <laughs> not really, yeah. In in basketball, there are many different types of fouls, mm-hmm. and there are many different types of reactions to said fouls, depending on even the time of the game, depending how many fouls the other team has incurred to that point, um, depending who had the ball, even like right. so. Uh, so there's that in the NFL. There's many different types of penalties and different punishments to said type penalties. Even to the point in the NFL where the team receiving, uh, or sorry, the team that had the penalty committed against them Mm -hmm. has the choice to accept or decline the penalty if it changes their stretch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different things that can happen. In the NHL, there's two. Yeah. There's a minor penalty or there's a major penalty or a double minor, but that's, that's just two minors. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. There should be certain penalties where maybe even in, with a minute you can ice it even. Like flipping the puck over the glass and all you can do is ice it for a minute. Okay, whatever, sure. It's a stupid penalty anyway. But at least it might prevent a few of the on-purpose incidents, right? Yeah. So, whatever they got to do to do it, yeah, I mean, that, that's perfectly fine. It, it, it's, it's going back to your point where NHL officiating and this issue isn't black and white. So it doesn't need to be a black and white consequence every time that a fucking infraction happens either. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I agree your, with that. your your example of the PK Subban play where you interfere with the guy that that is definitely one of those plays that you can you can. That's my pet peeve watching hockey. Games. You can shepherd that out of the game. You you can teach players to learn to not do that. I'd, I'd rather a stoppage every thirty seconds. Yeah. That's how much it annoys me. But you can't really you can't learn those plays like tripping where a guy's just going to step on your stick and he's going to fall and you can't learn those penalties where i try to clear the zone and it goes over the glass or the the slash to the hand because you went for the stick and you oh no there's always going to be penalties you know those those accidental penalties they are always going to exist and Mm -hmm. those are the ones that are almost always called right yeah but like i said a trip with two minutes left in the game or a puck over the glass with two minutes left in the game that means a lot more than yeah. in the first. Year. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, like there there are instances when I played hockey where, like depending on the time of the game, and if it was a two on one, and I was the second back checker back, but I was close to the guy who had the puck, and I couldn't get to him close enough, I'd trip him. Fuck it, like I'd, I'd rather let's just take the fucking power play 
and try to kill it off because I was the one getting out there for the penalty kills anyway, and I was doing a fucking fine yeah, job at I didn't it. Didn't want the ice time, you know. So yeah, exactly. I just wanted to stay out there. So like, I knew I knew I was going to do my job for a minute of that kill, and at least they weren't going to get the goal while I was out there. So if the other guys can kill off the other minute, we're golden. But I would rather that in some situations than a two on one on. Yeah, full disclosure on one of my shitty goaltenders that I had when I was a player because holy fuck did I play for a lot of them um, like I would rather us just kill the penalty than deal with a two on one because I know you know there was at least five of them that were never going to stop that fucking play anyway yeah so all I'm saying is that it was one of those things where you may, you take a calculated risk and, and you just have to do it sometimes right and, that, and that's going to happen in all these penalties but you're right in the sense where tripping is more often than not an accident, but it still needs to be called even when it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just, Ethan Bear got a tripping penalty tonight. And when it happened, I was like, fuck, like, what a terrible call. And they showed the replay a couple times, and he kind of stuck his leg out, and Nylander tripped over his leg. It's like, yeah, it's tripping, but he probably didn't mean to do it that way, right? It's just, it was still tripping, though. Like, Nylander had the puck, so. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um... That's great. I'm really happy to hear that we kind of uh, agreed I, on this I've, topic. I've thought that for a long time. Uh, I like the idea of two-minute majors as well. I've, I've always been a big fan of that. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know what instances necessarily that that needs to be. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have a ranking system for how I classify penalties or anything like that. Um, but, like, here's, here's what I am saying. Is that I, I do concede that I think hockey of the major sports is probably the worst one to officiate because, other than maybe baseball, but um, it's it's very, very difficult to call it at a, at a high speed, and I understand that just shit happens. And Again, I'm not completely dismissing game management, although I do think some of that is bullshit for sure. Um, so, you know, like, we, we got to try to find a way to make the referee's job easier for them. Um, another thing is, too, and, like, it's easy for me to say because it doesn't come out of my pocket, but now that the NHL is probably going to have more money coming in, uh, I think referees should be paid higher as well, um, which I don't know the direct salary of most guys, but it's somewhere between 150 and 300 k uh, That That's... They deserve a little bit more money than that. Like, they're, they're on the ice for 60 minutes a fucking game having to call game in and game out, and having to erase shit that happened the night before because they got to call a game tonight. Like, referees do back-to-backs, too. It's just not all that often. So, uh, I think they should get a bigger piece of the pie because they do have a direct say on the outcome of the game, whether we like it or not. Um, I also think that there should be some sort of a fifth referee where we can start reviewing certain things. Um, perhaps it's the league and... Uh, or even that fifth referee's call what to review and what not to review. But it happens all the time where there's a fuck up on the ice. And again, we're the only sport where a penalty happens and we're just like, well, we'll take the ref's word for it. Sure, sure it was a good call. Right. No. Watch it twice and you can clearly see, like, Jeff Skinner's stick doesn't get under fucking P.K. Subban's skates and he fell on his own because he's an idiot or whatever. Like, then take the penalty back. And it should be up to someone other than the referee who called the penalty to do that. Because no referee's going to admit they're wrong. But fuck it. Tell them they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, the, you can tell these guys they're wrong. Don't just let them think they're right. And everyone sits at home and is like, that wasn't a penalty. 
Like, no, just fucking take it back. Like, I, I, I think that... I've long been on board, and I think I've even said it on this podcast, where I think there should be one or two refs in the stands for certain issues that we've had over the years with this sport. And whatever you can do to lessen the responsibility of the officials who are actually out there to try to give them a little bit of help, I think um, also needs to be done. Because, like, here's another thing we don't talk about, is, like, the responsibility of the referee is huge in this sport. Uh, the How tired they're going to get for the pay that they get. Like, we're asking a lot of these fucking guys, and I don't think a lot of people really think about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing, is as much as they yell and bitch at, the, uh, at a bunch of their calls... Their job's not easy, and and when so what? You're going to tell me then don't do it then? Like, I don't think you know there aren't a lot of people on the fucking planet that can officiate a hockey game at the NHL level. There's not many that aren't already there. So uh, all I'm saying is that we need to do more to kind of help these guys so that way they can help us make the game better. I, th- I think it's just a whole systemic thing. And and that's fair. Like, I I don't know the, the day in and the, the day out you know, you pay, troubles of the NHL referee. You, you pay them more, they'll care more. Right? You hope. Yeah. Most of them. Right. Yeah. Some of them still suck. I think I think my favorite thing of this whole fallout this week was listening to Kevin Bieksa go on TV like four or five times and bitch about how he hated Brad Meyer when he was in the league. It was it killed me. Like, mm. he said it the other day. He's like, oh yeah, I hated that guy. And he said it like as a joke, but then I saw him on several different things this week, and he kept saying it, and I was like, that's actually hilarious that he just kind of keeps calling them out, you know what I mean? They just hate each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll leave off by mentioning that um, Tim Peel never worked a Stanley Cup final game, despite 22 years of uh, coaching the league. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't, I didn't really want to get into that too much either, but, like, Tim Peel wasn't a particularly good referee either. No. Like that's the other thing. This has been a this is a guy who, if you're not aware of him, has long been the subject of fan hatred. Like the only reason that anyone likes Tim Peel is because Tim Peel seems to be a likable guy. Right. But he's a bad referee and has always been. And this is why, is because he's one of those guys, if they're not all like that, but he's always been one of those guys where it's very clear that it's a penalty here, a penalty there, and and then we're even. You know what I mean? Like, that, that hot mic incident was very much a situation where, um, like, yeah, that that's how he's always called the game, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, you know what? Uh, I raised a tequila shot to Tim Peel. <laughs> Perfect. A fitting, fitting end to his career. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a little ahead of time for once. Crazy. We don't often run through the top. Like, as I, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought we were going to disagree on, on the whole Tim Peel thing. Like, I don't know what it was. It's not like a you versus me thing. I just... I thought there was going to be something that we were like, no, oh, that's ridiculous. And then you changed your mind last minute, so <laughs> exactly. you were right. Exactly. Right. Um, I'm so, giving it to you this week. Eh? <laughs> uh, we're we're going to do an overrated, underrated, but I, I pulled up uh, an, an old game that we used to do. We haven't done it in quite some time now. Uh, don't panic. No. <laughs> that's that's one you give to me. I, yeah. yeah. So I, I, don't know to, <laughs> I don't know how to give that game. I only know how to fail it. Um, I'm going to bring back the carry price tag game. Uh, and this is uh, similar to... I remember to, liking it. I just yeah. don't remember which one this is. This is similar to the uh, Price is Right game, where uh, I'm going to give you a bunch of questions. And dun, for every dun, question you get dun, right, dun, dun. you get to spend that answer uh, towards clues that will help you identify one of two players. Okay. Okay, so I've got two guys in front of me. We'll do, uh, we'll do two rounds. i got two quizzes. 
Um, and uh, if you don't have any questions, we can begin. These no. are these are there, I have twelve pre-selected categories, uh, which are position, handedness, last or current team, country, team that drafted, draft position, draft year, Stanley Cup rings, games played, season high points or wins if they're a goaltender. Most frequently worn number and awards. And if there's multiple, you can spend more than one of your answers uh, towards multiple awards if you'd like. Okay. Uh, any questions? No, I, I, it should come back to me once we get going. Here. Okay. So I got two quizzes in front of me. Uh, one was produced by our friends at the uh, NHL.com. And it's in honor of everyone's favorite goal-scoring phenom, the eighth player in Alex the record Derek. book to hit 700 goals oh. and number eight in your programs, Alexander Ovechkin, as he continues his ascent towards the all-time goal record. So we have a quiz based on Alex Ovechkin that the NHL came up with. Oh, okay. And we're going to start there. So the answer is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to solve it, it's Ovechkin. Every answer is Ovechkin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I got it then. Okay, so we got nine that questions. That was fun. Overrated, yeah. underrated. We got nine questions here. Cool. For you, right? Okay. Question number one: uh, Ovechkin was drafted first overall. I, I know you know this. Uh, he was drafted first mm-hmm. overall in 2004. Who was selected second? Was it Andrew Ladd? Was it Blake Wheeler? Was it Kenny Malkin? Or was it Bobby Ryan? In 04? 04. It was Malkin, wasn't it? Well, you tell me. Yeah, of uh, Kenny Malkin. Well, of Kenny Malkin. All right. This appears to be a quiz where you get your answers at the end. So we'll. we'll... Oh, God. All right. Seed of doubt. Uh, Austin Matthews, uh, as a young boy, attended a game. I like this quiz. Uh, attended a game in December uh, in Arizona in which Alex Ovechkin was uh, playing with his visiting Washington Capitals in his rookie year in 2005-2006. He scored an incredible goal. Oh, my God. He was at that game? Head. That's pretty cool. In what year did Ovechkin score his goal? 05, 06, 07, 08. I don't know if I need the whole question read back to me, but did you specify Austin Matthews' age in the question? I did not. Oh, that, that would have been great. I kind of added that the Austin Matthews uh, bit. It, uh, the question reads, in what year did Ovechkin score this goal? Yeah. Um, 05, 06, 07, 08. I, I, think, I think it was 06. Like, I, I think it was it was rookie year or, or sophomore year. Okay. Like, back half of rookie year, if anything. I'll, I'll go 06. Okay. Uh, question three. Ovechkin has the most points amongst Russian-born players in NHL history. Oh, God. Who ranks second? No. Is it Sergei Fedorov? Is it Pavel Datsuk? Is it Pavel Bure? Or is it Ilya Kovalchuk? Wow. Those other three actually were not the other th- the like any of the other names that came to mind. So, I will go Fedorov. Fedorov. Okay. Yeah. Number four, which goaltender did Alex Ovechkin score his 500th NHL goal oh, against? God damn it. Was it Craig Anderson? Was it Andrew Hammond? Was it Mike Condon? Or was it Robin Leonard? I think the goal happened against the Senators, if that helps. I, I, I thought Craig Anderson said, or it sounded right when you said it. So I'll go Craig Anderson. All right. Do what you gotta do. Craigie Anderson. Question five, my guy. Okay. Yep. How many goals did Ovechkin score in the 2018 Stanley Cup Final? Two, three, four, or five? I'll go three. Okay, we're going to go three. Uh, question six. Who did Ovechkin hand the Stanley Cup to first after winning in 2018? Was it Nicholas Backstrom, his old running mate? Was it TJ Soshi? Was it veteran Brooks Orpik? Or was it uh, Jay Leno favorite Jay Beagle? Why does Jay Beagle sound right? Hmm. 
It had to be Backstrom, right? Like, I'll go Backstrom. It had going, to be. Going Backstrom. Nikki Backstrom. Uh, question seven. How hmm. many 40-goal seasons does Ovechkin have in his NHL career? 9, 10, 11, or 12? Any of those is fucked. Yeah, I was going to say 8, and then... <laughs> like, if he has 40 goals every year. So, um... Okay, so this is his... 15th season in the league, I guess. He had a 30-goal year in a full year. And he had a 30-goal year in the lockout-shortened year. And this year's not over yet. 40-plus, right? We're not talking 40 to 50. Just says 40-goal seasons, so... I would imagine that would have to be over. It's 9, 10, 11, or 12? Yeah. I, I honestly think it's 12. Okay. We'll go 12. Ovechkin is the second fastest to 700 NHL goals. Who is behind him in third? Was it Phil Esposito, Yarmer Yager, Brett Hull, or Marcel Dion? Hmm. I'm not going to think too too long on that one. I'm just going to go Marcel Dion. Marcel Dion. All right. Those are your eight Ovechkin questions. And here is how you did uh, the first overall in 2004 who went second, it was Evgeny Malkin. Nice. So congratulations, you earn a point there. Uh, and what year did he score his incredible goal? It was 2006, so you're two nice. for two. Uh, it was January 16th, so just a, a mere two weeks into the calendar year. Uh, the second most points amongst Russian-born players is Sergei Fedorov. You oh. are killing it, three for three. The goaltender that Ovechkin scored his 500th NHL goal against was the Hamburglar. Andrew Hammond <laughs> was the guy. Wow. One of the only guys to ever score against him. So. Yeah, there it is. Um, Ovechkin did have three goals in the 2018 finals. So you're keeping it going. Four for, f- uh, four for five. My guy, Ovi. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom was the recipient of the cup thank, handoff. Thank God. Yeah, uh, I would have been infuriated yeah. if it was any of those other three. Uh, you said 12 40-goal seasons for Ovechkin. He's got 11. No! Yeah, close. Oh, am I getting more Ovechkin questions at any point here? No. I want to see how it's only 11. Anyway, keep going. Uh, and the second fastest to 700 was Brett Hull. Yeah. So. I thought Hull, but yeah. Dion just kind of, it just sounded like a Dion sort right. of record. So you oh, got... wow. He had two years where he only had 30 in a row mm-hmm. there. Weird. So you got five Three right. Games. So you get to ask for five of the 12 categories uh, towards helping you uh, figure out this player. Okay. So off of his hockey reference now, page. Sorry. Yeah. Do I do I know anything about this player going in? Like, is it is it like a former teammate of Ovechkin or no. something? It's just yeah. anybody. Yeah. Eh? Okay. Um, okay. And then what are my categories I can guess from? I know that there's many. but You have position, handedness, last or current team, country, team drafted, a draft position, draft year, Stanley Cup rings, games played, season high points or wins, most frequently worn number, uh, and any of the awards that they may have won. Okay. Uh, can I get position? Position. This player, according to Hockey Reference, is a center. Can I get draft year, draft team, draft position? What are the team-related questions I can get? Last or current team that drafted... Uh, and that's about that's it. Mostly it. Do I get games played? You could. If I could. But I only get five clues here, eh? You only got five right. This yeah. is a tough one. Yeah. 
I feel like I normally have more clues to work you with. You normally have a lot more to spend, yeah. But I, I feel like I've gotten every one before. Like, I am I feel like this is the one game where I just yeah, used I to think crush you're, I it. I think you're perfect. Damn, there's a lot on the line here. Um, let's go... Let's go last or current team. Last or current team. Okay, this player's last team was the Edmonton Oilers. He, uh, he is retired. Okay. Cool. So this could just be any guy. Eh? Like, this could be fucking... At this point, it could be any centerman that last played for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, this could be Rem Murray, for all I know. It could be <laughs> it, any fucking guy. Eh? It could be. Give me country. country. I feel like I normally, I normally, that helps a lot. All right, this should narrow it down. Uh, this guy was born in Canada. Okay. <laughs> for some reason, I have one guy in mind, and I, there's no reason for me to think that it's this guy. Like, all I know is he's a center that played for the Oilers. I don't even know if this guy retired in an Oiler. He just played there a couple times, and he's Canadian. Okay. Yeah, because I, uh, I need something with the draft. I need to know something. You got two to spend. Now, in theory, in theory, if he's undrafted, then that, then at least that helps. But whew. it's a draft question or the number. That's where I'm at now. Let's go. Let's go. Most frequently worn number. Okay, I just gotta do a little bit of math here. Yeah. Six. It's not who I'm thinking then, because <laughs> my guy would have been obvious for sure. Ten years with that number. Yeah, I don't think my guy lasted ten years either. Six, seven, eight, nine number, nine years with that number. Wow, I hate to do this to you because I. That's I, okay. Can I get you on a technicality to help you out a little bit? And I don't think I can. Uh, the most commonly worn number of this player throughout his career was number twelve. Hmm. So he played. He played a long time, though, is what you're saying. Played for the Oilers. Well. What I've gathered is this is an older person, so nothing draft related is going to help me if this guy was drafted in like the 80s. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's just, or earlier, like that's just not going to do anything for me. He was a centerman who wore number 12. Give me draft team. Draft team. Yeah. This player was undrafted. Right. So that's, uh, that's your five clues. Right. Yeah. Do you have any sort of a guess? I don't know anything about this guy. Really. <laughs> Not really. Like I don't. I don't know yeah. much. Um, he wore number twelve. <laughs> That's my biggest clue that I have. Like he wore number twelve. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I. A guy who played a long time. Uh, I know he wore another number other than the one that I think of him as. And I know he retired somewhere weird, but I thought it was the Islanders, but it could have been the Oilers. So I'm I'm gonna guess Doug Waite. That's all I got. Okay, uh, he's American. Yeah, that, oh yeah, I forgot it was Canadian. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, we were looking for Adam Oates, and hmm. I honestly I would have guessed seventy seven was his most worn number. I don't know if that would have helped you or not, but you also said undrafted, where yeah. Doug Waite was definitely drafted. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Bummer. Oh well. Well, I, we're gonna do one more. Oh right, yeah. Okay. And uh, cool. this this quiz it's a little older. It might be <coughs> it might be a little trickier. So what I'm gonna do for oh, you? Oh, good is stuff. I'm gonna guarantee you don't get less than the five that you already had going into the Ovechkin. So I'm playing for bonus points. So you're gonna walk me with five. There's more questions. There's more opportunity. 
but you can't do any worse than what you had last time. Does yeah, that sound I, fair? Well, I can't do any worse than losing, for okay. sure. All right. This one might be tough, but we'll, we'll see what goes. It's all multiple choice, so you got a 25% chance every question. Question one. This NHL goalie was involved in a 92 trade three times in the same offseason, twice for the same player. Who is he? Say it again. Uh, this goalie was involved in a 1992 trade oh, okay. three times in the same offseason and twice for the same player. Was it Bob Essensa, Rick Tabaraki, Stefan Beauregard, or Pat Jablonski? Let's go Bob Essensa. Bobby Essensa. All right, I like that. My guy. Uh, question two, which NHL player holds a rather odd record? The most regular seasons, most regular season games played in a season. Is it Jimmy Carson, Bernie Nichols, Wayne Gretzky, or Ray Shepard? Well, I feel like I should know this if it were him, but I'm still going to guess uh, it's my it's my cousin, Ray Shepard. Okay. All right, question three. Many have assumed that this now-retired NHL All-Star forward... Is dead. <laughs> well... <laughs> Followed the most common route of starting an NHL career, being drafted by a team, signing his entry-level deal with the same team, then started playing for that team. However, for this player, that is not how... This is a dumb question. <laughs> this is not how his career started. Uh, who am I referring to? Was it Sergei Fedorov, Paul Korea, Timo Solani, or Joe Sakic? Oh, that's... I was, I was... Being drafted and signing an entry-level contract and then playing for that team. And, they, and this player didn't do that. Didn't do that. Fedorov, Korea, Solani, Sakic. Fedorov, right? Well, we can we can per- certainly put that down as your answer if you'd like. All right. Okay. I don't maybe I don't even know if I ended up understanding that question, but that's <laughs> I, fine. It's fucked. I, I'm committed to yeah. it. Uh, number four. It's not too uncommon for late round draft picks to end up becoming all stars, even Hall of Famers. However, this NHL player represents the first player to be picked up, uh, essentially a throwaway by one team, being picked up by another, and ultimately becoming a top marquee player, even leading the league in points one season. Who is he? Is it Adam Oates? Is it Brett Hull? Is it Martin St. Louis? Or is it Mike Gartner? First player to be picked up as a throwaway by one team, picked up by another, and becoming a top marquee player leading the league in points. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, I apologize for this poor quiz. Well, well, you can make the case for two of them, at least. You could. I believe only one of them led the league in points. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's probably Marty St. Louis. I, I would, would imagine think. it's probably Marty St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, this NHLer is the only player to win all of the following trophies during his career. Ready? WHL Player of the Year, CHL Player of the Year, NHL All-Star, Stanley Cup, Conn Smythe, Olympic Gold, Norris, World Junior Gold. Is it Scott Niedermeyer, Ray Bork, Paul Coffey, or Brian Leach? Scott Niedermeyer, Ray Bork, Paul Coffey, Brian Leach. No. Anyone? WHL, Stanley Cup. A NHL like postseason All Star, yeah. Con Smythe, Olympic Gold, Norris, World Junior. Con Smythe, it's got to be Niedermeyer. Okay. I, I didn't think he won a Con Smythe, but it's got to be him. We'll go Scotty. Yeah. Uh, which NHL team tried copying Colorado's rally cry to help them win their 2002 Stanley Cup? Detroit, Boston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. If anyone out there knows what Colorado's rally cry is, please let us know because I have no idea what that refers they to. They copied their rallying cry. Yeah. Say the question one more time. Which NHL team tried copying Colorado's rally cry to help them win their 2002 Stanley Cup? Detroit, Boston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Well, by the wording of the question, it would be the team that won the Stanley Cup in 2002. That would seem to make sense. 
Yeah, I guess the Red Wings. Like, I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, which player was chosen first overall by the Quebec Nordiques during the 91 NHL draft, only to be caught in a game of tug-of-war between two teams that claimed to have traded for him shortly after being drafted? Is it Matt Sundin, Peter Forsberg, Eric Lindros, or Joe Sackick? In 91? Yeah. First overall? Yeah. It's Lindros, right? Okay. Uh, number eight. This is not your typical expansion draft! Exclamation point. Due to some sort of rift between the Minnesota North Stars owners, the team literally split into two, with Minnesota being one and the other relocating to which city to become a new team? Tampa Bay, San Jose, Ottawa, or Florida? Tampa Bay. Okay, Tampa Bay. Uh, a case of NHL street justice? Question mark. <laughs> After- Mark Borvietsky. I remember he beat the shit out of some guy who stole a purse. Yeah. I remember Joel McClain. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, after being traded to this team, Ilya, Koval- Ilya Kovalchuk signed a 15-year, $100 million oh. contract during the offseason after a 17-year, $102 million was rejected by the league as being an attempt, this is a run-on sentence, to circumvent salary cap restrictions. Who made this quiz? The team also faced a loss to first-round pick as punishment. Three years later, he retired from the NHL, leaving the team without its top player and a first-round pick. Which team is it? Was it the Thrashers, the Devils, the Islanders, or the Flames? Ah, uh, yes. Noted Calgary Flame Ilya Kovalchuk. <laughs> uh, I will go with the New Jersey Devils, ah, the Devils, Alex. And your last question, thankfully. Uh, in what can it's laughably be dubbed Stefan Beauregard Part 2? Pittsburgh acquired a player from Los Angeles for Sean McEachern at the 93 offseason. During the 93-94 season, both teams didn't like the result of the trade and literally redid the trade. I guess we know the answer to the first question. Ah, Which player was it. Sean McEachern traded for twice? Marty McSorley, Jim Peak, Tom Sandstrom, or Rick Tockett? He's traded for twice? Yeah. Sandstrom, Tockett, who else? Jim Peak and Marty McSorley. I don't know. Jim Peak. Okay, we'll go Jim Peake, the uh, South Korean-born national. Oh, right, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, you got Bob Essence wrong. It was Stefan Beauregard, as we found out at the end. What a loser. Uh, Jimmy Carson holds the record for 86 games played in an 84-game season because he was traded. Um, Timo Solani was drafted by the Jets but never signed an entry-level contract with them. Uh, He went home to be a teacher and then was a free agent and then just signed with the Jets. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Martin St. Louis, as we both knew. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer was the answer to our question in number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, his con Smythe came in uh, 2007 with the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit won the Cup in 02, despite the way that question was worded. Eric Lindros was drafted first overall in 91. Mm-hmm. Uh, the San Jose Sharks were the team that uh, existed because uh, owners in Minnesota wanted to mm-hmm. move the team there and the NHL said no 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 we're going to move them in a couple of years anyway so you just take this team in San Jose and we'll call it even um, the New Year's Devils of course signed the ridiculous contract with Ilya Kovalchuk and Marty McSorley was the loser that was drafted or traded twice <laughs> a loser yeah, yeah. so um, unfortunately uh, you got 5 out of 10 so <laughs> you didn't really help yourself any more than you were already getting um out of that uh out of that anyway but we had some fun i guess i guess yeah all right so i got a player in front of me i need you to ask uh you know questions about clues and james i'm gonna go um country all right country uh this player was born in canada i'm gonna go draft year this player was drafted in 2011 all right 
Now we're talking. All right, you got three to spend. Uh, current or last team? This player currently plays for the New York Islanders. Right. Beautiful. I got it. Um, so I, okay, so I have two points left. Two, yeah, two clues left. Currently plays for New York Islanders. He was drafted in 2011. Can I get his draft position? You sure could. Uh, he was drafted 96th overall. Can I get his draft team? Uh, the Ottawa Senators. And those are your five clues. Okay. There's only one Senator draft pick that comes to mind on the roster, but let me think here for a minute. Uh, like, unless freaking Shane Prince is still there, I think uh, Prince. I think I'm pretty in the clear here. Well, there's no point in, in uh, beating around the bush here. Uh, I am going to guess that we are talking about Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And you would be correct. Nice, let's go. So redeem some uh, some brain rights there. Nice. Good, good for you, buddy. All right. Well, that was fun. We haven't done that one in a while. Yeah. Nice to visit old favorites. Yeah, sure. Um, we're going to finish things off with an overrated, underrated favorite, least favorites. And um, I picked this one this week. You did? Yeah. We're doing chicken-based meals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I I said meals. I don't really know how... No, you meant... You meant- the, uh, the way chicken can yeah. be prepared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I don't really care about the side dish too much. No. If the main it's usually rice, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> your overrated chicken meal. Uh, overrated uh, type of chicken for me is rotisserie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> or your, or your, you know, even just your, your grocery store fucking hot chicken there. Not it's good. just... It's just not... Never, no, never great. The flavor is always underwhelming. It's often when it's in a grocery store, it's dried, mm. dried out. Like you can kind of do some stuff with it, but if you're just eating that chicken, it's pretty lame. Yeah. So, uh, rotisserie chicken is my least favorite. Is my is Over, my overrated. Overrated. Yeah. Like it's it's fine, but it's. Mm. Eh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my overrated is uh, chicken parm. That. Um, that everyone in Thunder Bay seems to think is the greatest meal in the world. Wow. It's fine. I, I'm not going to say no to it, but it's it's definitely been blown way out of proportion. It's a piece of chicken with sauce. What are we doing here? Let's move along. There's better options. We can we can do this better. We owe it better to the bird that died for this. Yeah. Yeah. As a podcast, I think we owe you better, too. Um, my under... <laughs> my underrated is uh, popcorn chicken. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking good stuff man it's awesome like even shitty popcorn chicken is like eh. yeah yeah oh yeah like i don't love kfc nope i haven't been there in probably 15 years but every well, other than when i get popcorn chicken and that's not even frequent but bus trip to the sioux stop and fucking scriber where do you stop stop at the kfc get a little bit of popcorn chicken in you you know was there a KFC in the mall at any point? In our mall? Yeah. Ooh. I feel like that's where I had KFC for the last time, but yeah. I, I can't picture... <laughs> last time. I can't picture it being there. Not not uh, recently enough where you would have been able to get to the mall on your own, put it that way. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Do you remember when the mall had an Arby's? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, do, do I, I ever. <laughs> I remember before the Arby's one, there was a Burger King in the mall. Oh, Miss Vanelli's Pizza. Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Wow. There was a rumor 
years ago. I think uh, former guest of the podcast Cody Fraser started it. Uh, that we were getting a uh, <laughs> this is where I heard it from. That we were getting a Popeyes chicken in the mall, and I was like, that is that's just insane. And we never got it. It, it was it's where Laura Secord is now. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, popcorn chicken kicks ass. It's pretty good. Kicks ass. It's pretty good. Um, your favorite. When it's done properly, jerk chicken. Wow. Yeah. Okay. When it's done properly, I've had bad oh. jerk chicken. Oh yeah. Often. Um, so what I would say is my favorite when it's done right is jerk chicken. However, my most frequently ordered or cooked type of chicken would be the chicken wing. Mm-hmm. So, depending how you want to look at it, those are my two favorites. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, your favorite. Favorites, my, my favorite is uh, um, the chicken Kiev. Big fan. Yeah, eh? Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback a little bit, and I'll say it's close cousin, the uh, chicken cordon bleu. Uh, same kind of universe. So I, I will I will accept either of those as my favorite. Just a nice, nice, you know, baked little thing of chicken breaded. It's good. Stuffed with butter. and yeah. yeah. I don't know if I've ever had it done real good. Okay. Though, you know what I mean? Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Date, dating in a Ukrainian family, so. Ah. Uh, yeah. I, I, well, I have actually. I never got fucking chicken <laughs> Kiev, but all right. Um, no, they weren't Ukrainian. What am I thinking of? Fucking Argentina. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Uh, yeah, all right. No, it is not. Whatever. <laughs> well, this was years ago. I right. don't think about it anymore. Your least favorite. <laughs> I mean, sort of a cop out. My least favorite usually is. Uh, I like chicken too much, but there's a type of chicken that I just can't do. Uh, I know, I, 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 I'm not talented at many things, okay? <laughs> if you, if you serve me I chicken. I kind of fucking suck. <laughs> if you serve me chicken, okay, and just don't tell me where it came from, I know before it's even gotten into my mouth if this was a frozen piece of chicken or not. I know it. I know. I don't know how to tell you I know. Okay. But I I just have a way of fucking figuring that out with chicken. And for the most part, anything that has been, even if it was fresh and then frozen, like, uh, you know what I mean? Not like a store-bought frozen. I mean, like, if you freeze a chicken breast, I can tell. And I don't like chicken after it's been frozen. It gets rubbery. It gets, uh, it's not right, it, quite frankly. Even when it's like a chicken strip, it's just, I can tell. And so, uh, any type of frozen chicken other than wings, wings freeze well. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. It, it, it basically, if it's a pre-frozen chicken, you okay. know what I mean? Okay. Like you bought it, you bought Jane's out of the freezer at, at Metro. Yeah. I know. Okay. I know the difference. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, my least favorite is barbecued cutlets. They never come out good. They we try to slap sauce on them and and pass it off. They just come out dry and hard, and usually they're frozen. So maybe that's the icky taste I mm. I get out of them. But they're like they're not breaded. They're just kind of cut cutlet specifically though, yeah. or just a you don't mean like a barbecued breast. You mean specifically a cutlet? Cutlet. Okay. Yeah. They're thin. I can agree with that. They're thin, 
like I said, like when you get them on there, they're they're not breaded. And then, I don't like cutlet at all. Though. Yeah, like, cut, cutlet is a terrible way to cut meat. Yeah, you know? that's like a pork cutlet is even worse. But I've had good pork Have cutlets, yeah. like more so than chicken. I don't like cutlets at all. My mom was bad for that. Yeah, yeah I love her dearly, but she always liked to make a, a couple chicken cutlets. Okay. In the summer, and it's just like, this isn't good. No way. No. Strive. So I was going to say, bar- barbecued chicken, when done right, like sure. a barbecued breast, sure. although not exciting, has potential to be some of the best chicken you'll ever have, oh, right? Yeah. But, yeah, cutlet, yeah, I'm not a cutlet guy. No, there's just not enough there to justify barbecuing it. Mm-hmm. And you can get away with a chicken cutlet baked. Like, you can bake it, and it's probably going to be okay. Yeah. And you can deep fry it. Like, there's a lot of things you can do with it, but just don't barbecue it. Yeah. It's never going to be good. That's fair. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people don't know how to barbecue food. Uh, uh, that is laced up for this week. Mm. Uh, you can find my stuff on the high button. Um, what did I do this week? Oh, I wrote who I think the Jets are going to protect in the expansion draft. Um, because even though I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, it directly affects my deadline writing. So I kind of needed to talk about it this week and... My answers uh, were not as clear as I thought it would be, but uh, yeah, so that, you, can, you can read that. That's always an interesting one because, like, I I, I try to think about those types of scenarios, mm-hmm. and then I always get hung up on the on the on the trade deadline because I just assume, well, they're going to bring somebody in, and it's going to knock one of my guys out off the list. If the and, Jets bring in a defenseman with term, it gets really interesting on who might be the person that goes the other way in the trade. Okay. Right? Because they have what I think is a pretty good protection list. But if you're bringing in, I mean, Pipe Dream, but if you're bringing in Matias Ekholm, you know, you're you're you can't protect one of Ekholm, Morrissey, um DeMello, Stanley and uh well two of, I guess, and who's the other guy I'm missing? Pionk. Mm-hmm. Like two of those guys have to go. Right. Whereas if you don't bring in a defenseman, you're you're deciding between Stanley and DeMello, in my opinion. Where, like, I go Stanley, they might go DeMello. But, yeah, it, it gets interesting there. So if they bring in a defenseman who has term, and then even still, like, if you bring in a defenseman with term, like, do you, do you go a different route, maybe, and trade, like, Appleton in the trade? Or, or what do you do? Like, I don't think that would be a thing. But you probably trade one of your under-contract defensemen the other way because you're just going to give them up regardless so that makes sense yeah it makes things interesting so i wrote about that this week i still think the jets are getting uh david savard and like a like a i don't know like a del zotto type or just a kind of like another throw-in defenseman mm. we'll see Cole turbine big fan yeah yeah he'll be excited uh you found my stuff today by listening to this podcast so uh look for it again when i do it again next week that's right you'll find it there as well that's right yeah Okay. Okay. You're good? Oh, yeah. I'm good. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone! Uber asked you 
Bs. We used to ride around the city streets. Only six of us, but we would pull up like we 50 deep. If you wanna hang with us, you gotta bring some drugs at least. Life was seen. Pull up, make a scene like it's Steve McQueen. Flights that land, it's the drip outlandish. I just spent 10 racks and sacks, fifth in the standard. I ain't never asked to be this way. I ain't planning it. It starts with good intentions. I end up doing damage. Look, I'ma tell you how this ends before it even starts. I might have to make amends after I break your heart. I'ma flirt with all your friends and then we break apart. If our story was a play, it'd be a tragedy. There's a reason why my exes all still mad at me. And that's another love I killed, another casualty. How this thing go from a blessing to catastrophe? It's a travesty. I can't help I'm it. a professional bad decision maker. I know I broke your heart, but I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Know the end is the hardest. Wish I could restart it. Professional bad decision maker. Wish that I could be honest. I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker. They should write a movie about the shit that we did. Deviated septums from the drugs that we did. You think I learned from my past, but I'm a creature of habit. We had so much gone for us, man. What happened is tragic. My girl is a savage. Bad influences all around me. Drunk at bag and tail, all drunk. My table is rowdy. Had to let go of Ali. I regret if I'm honest. I'm draped in designer. Said I needed the one and I found her. Now she's back in Portland. Had to say this shit is important. I ruined everything I love. Man, this shit is like torture. Sorry that you had to deal with it. Rehashing old wounds. Still won't let you heal with it Yo, you hear this shit? Yeah Skizzy back on this shit again 5K for the fit again Fucked up at the win again Me and my dogs the same like a synonym It's ridiculous I can't help I'm it. a professional bad decision maker I know I broke your heart But I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Know the end is the hardest Wish I could restart it Professional bad decision maker Wish that I could be honest I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker